Hey everyone, welcome to Are You Talking REM Re Me. Before we begin, I want to tell you about Lisa. Lisa is an innovative direct to consumer online mattress brand that is also socially conscious. In fact, for every 10 <laughs> We got we got to take it down. We can't keep okay, this up. Yeah, we got no, you're we gotta, right. It's exhausting. <laughs> for every 10 mattresses Lisa sells, they donate one to a shelter. Through their 110 program. Not to mention, not to mention. Don't mention it. Okay, I won't. Well, I got it. So good. With a patented universal adaptive feel, Lisa is designed for all types of sleepers. And now Lisa has expanded its offerings to include the Lisa pillow, the Lisa blanket, foundation, and frame. Try a Lisa mattress in your own home for one Or someone else's. We don't give a shit. Free. Try it anywhere you want. Try it up your butt. For 100 nights. For 100 nights. Risk-free. Sounds good. I don't think that's survivable. (laughs) Available in the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Germany online with free shipping. This 100% American-made mattress ships compressed in a box right to your door. Or try it at the Lisa Dream Gallery in Soho, New York City, and Virginia Beats. Virginia Virginia Beats. Virginia Beats. Is that a woman named Virginia wearing Beats headphones? (laughs) <laughs> Virginia Beats by Dre? <laughs> I guess. Uh, or over 80 West Elm stores nationwide. Get $130 off. That's Whoa. an amazing Whoa. price. And get a free pillow. Hmm? Not as impressive as the 130 mm-hmm. I got to well, say. But I love those pillows. When you go to lisa.com slash REM, that's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash REM. Yay. From chronic to collapse, town and into now, that is, respectively, this is Are You Talking R.E.M. Re.Me, the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things R.E.M. This is good. Good. Rock and roll uh, music. Good. 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 Have you ever really just sat down and thought about the word good? I mean, it's confusing because it's spelled... Good. Right. You know. Right. That's one of the things you can think about. <laughs> While you contemplate this word. The word, yeah. Every time you read that word, you should be sitting and actually thinking about it for a good 25 minutes. And if you're not sitting, uh, you should find a seat immediately. Yes. By the way, speaking of sitting, this is something I was thinking about the other day. Okay. Okay, and I wanted to bring this up on today's show. By the way, hello, Scott Ackerman here. Hi, hi, everybody. Hello. Okay, Adam, we all Scott, know yeah. who the host of the show blah, is. Blah, blah. Adam Thank Scott, Big much. Little Eyes, yeah. coming back at some point on HBO. Yeah. Scott Ackerman, TV showless yeah, currently. It's, it's just endless list of credits and wonderful mm, things, both sure, of us. Sure, blah, blah, sure, blah. sure, sure. Thank you. But speaking of sitting down, okay, you know that that insult of like, you probably like squat to pee or you probably sit down to pee? Uh-huh. Yeah, sitting down's great. I, I sit down. I sit down to watch TV too. Yeah. You got a problem with that? Yeah. You do. What do you stand while you watch TV? Right. And if you stand while you're peeing, your pee gets all over the place. Yeah. It's, I, I don't understand these people who are proud of the fact that they're ambulatory while they pee. I right. don't understand. The only place where it's just you can't miss when you're standing and peeing is out in the woods. Sure, of course. Other than that, you run the risk of getting it on the floor or on the little yeah. the, the thing. Also, you never know what's going to slip out at the last minute in, towards the back. 
take a poop? Because <laughs> that's a weird thing to say. Why is it a weird thing to say? Have you have 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 you not? Have you not? <laughs> Adam Scott Ooh. tried to do a pee standing up, and then something slipped out the back. Oh, like my wallet? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. All the time. Is this an episode of Like My Wallet? I believe so. I left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. Hey everyone, this is Scott. And this is Scott. And this is, we're just talking about how much we like our wallets today. Uh, let, let's get them out. Uh, get them out, Get them out, Whip them out. Come on, come on. Get out your wallets out there in podcast land. Check uh, this out. Oh, you got you have a money clip. That's money not clip. even a wallet. I've been on the money clip train, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, for like five years. Wait, is this an episode of Money Clip Train? I believe it is. Hey, everyone. This is Scott. And this is Scott. Welcome, Welcome to, to Money Clip, Clip train. train. We say that in unison every episode, every of course. Time. And choo-choo, all aboard. We are getting on that Money Clip Train. All aboard the Money Clip Train. Uh... Get your money clips on uh, the money clip train. And everyone off that money clip train. Get off the train. End of the line. With your money clips. Everyone get the fuck off. Get off the train, goddammit. God damn it. Give me your money clip. We'll see you next time. Bye. Anyway, so uh, so money clip. When did you switch over? Uh, about five years ago. About five years I, yeah, ago, yeah. I got this skinny wallet now, which is hard to take. Yeah, hard to take credit cards out of. Which and sure. I'll, I'll do that once a day. I would say pay for something. Sure. The other time, I usually you know try to you, you pay finagle. Cash. I try to finagle my friends into oh, paying barter. for things. Oh, oh, you you you. you <laughs> Combination of bartering and you. getting others to pay. Sure. No, but I mean, uh, uh, cash is even worse. That's why I've gone completely cashless. By the way, is. The fact that we use credit cards and ATM cards is, uh, like, how are muggers doing out there oh, these yeah, days? I I'd never carry any cash. I used to carry business. hundreds of thousands of dollars oh, in cash. Too. At all times. At all times. Like, if you were to mug me, chances are you could retire. Oh, man. You'd be a rich son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, so, wait. So, you what you're saying is the wallet you've settled on yeah. is a pain in the ass. It's kind of a pain in the ass, but it's so skinny. I used to have, like, a fat wallet that would— Me, uh, too. And then I switched from—I I used to sit on uh, in the back— uh, where the poop comes out, and someone told me, "Well, you're going to get scoliosis from sitting on your wallet." Well, did, all the did time. you have it filled with receipts? And yes, credit everything. Card, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I've done is I've. I, not only is it a money clip, so it's thin and small. I've pared it down to. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. I left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. That was a great episode. <laughs> really good. Kind of cut off abruptly. <laughs> no, I think it maybe <laughs> right. cut off at the exact right. It's kind time. of like the Sopranos final episode. <laughs> Oh, God. Welcome to the show. Um, We're going to be, this is exciting. We're going to be talking about uh, the Man on the Moon soundtrack today. And we have a special guest coming in, Adam. And I don't know how well you know this gentleman, but uh, he's a great guy. And I've been hanging out with him a a bit over the past uh, year or so. Uh, And uh, Edgar Wright, famed director of filmmaker. Filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Well, he's, he, he's, he makes films. He's made a couple of movies, I have to say. Sorry, is this an episode of I Love Films? Oh, no, it's not. 
Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, he he's going to come in and talk about uh, the Man on the Moon soundtrack and his uh, love for all things. Um, uh, <coughs> well, it sounds like the uh, beginning of uh, Black Sabbath. What is it? Paranoid. <coughs> <laughs> Yes. Now Edgar used in uh, REM is what REM I was trying song and uh, one of his uh, yes on films. the Baby Driver right. uh, Baby Driver soundtrack part two, which we'll be talking about. I have both of those queued up as well, and we'll be going through the entire Man on the Moon soundtrack in order. So that'll be coming up in a little bit. And uh, before we get to that, uh, Ad Man, yeah, people bro. call you the Ad Man. Oh uh, yeah. Mainly because you sell ads for TV shows and radio programs. I sell ads in airspace for regional radio Mm -hmm. stations. You're a lot like uh, the character Billy Crystal played in City Slickers. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. I sell air. You just sell air. That's nothing. I sell you sell air. vibrations. Let's go out to the countryside and ride horses. We should. I actually that you you joke about it, and quite honestly, it's a really funny. That wasn't a joke. Holy shit! Really? Were you really asking me? Yes. Do you want to go right now? Right. Fucking let's go. All right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey. Hey. Everyone off the horses. What are you doing with my horse? Oh, we're back. Man, that was intense. But worth it. <laughs> Definitely worth it. I'm glad we filmed it, too, so our remake of City Slickers will be out very, very soon. Uh, you joke, yep. but uh, – and it's a really great joke. But uh, <laughs> But um, I, I would not be surprised if Reboot of City Slickers comes back in two years and you're in it. You know, I s- watched it uh, about – Ten months ago, ten I, minutes ago, <laughs> I was, I was like, "What if you came here right from watching it and we somehow brought it up?" Um, and I didn't see the whole thing, but I started watching it, and and, and uh, like the first fifteen, Jake Gyllenhaal is like a child in that. Is movie. he in He's it? Really, a oh, little wow. kid. But I was comes from it. the uh, from from a showbusiness family. Showbiz, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought this movie is ripe for a remake. Really? Yeah, when I was watching it uh, about 10 months ago. Look, you should be the – what part would you be? You know what? It was probably more like eight months ago. All right. Well, <laughs> what part? You know, I could – I think it was September Look, of let's narrow this. Let's actually. narrow this down. Yeah. Like, do you mind getting out your calendar? Do you want me to tell you the circumstances? Yeah, why, please. Why? Okay. Yeah, why, what were you doing? I was sh- – well, you know, this what? is Never this mind. is a lot like what we do on this show is we flash back to what we were doing while we listened to or watched this something. Is, this is flashing back to what I was doing when I rewatched part of City Slickers, <laughs> a, a very small ago. part, <laughs> like literally the first like eight. Minutes. What were you doing? What were you doing? It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. matter. Now you don't want to talk about it. Not really. Um, what part would you play? Would you play? Gosh, I don't know. Billy what do, Crystal what do we or got? Bruno Kirby or Daniel the Stern, Stern Man or 
Jack balance. That's true. I, you could pull that off. Sure. Could you do even one two-armed push-up? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Actually, I can't do two-armed. I can only do one-armed. Really? Push-ups. You spread those legs wide? And only during award ceremonies. <laughs> um, I, I'd like to play the Stern character. I'm fine yeah. not being the lead. I kind of am a little upset I'm not the second lead, but I'll take third lead. Sure, sure. So you would skip over second lead and go straight to third is what Yeah, I would probably do that just to ensure that I get in there. But I'll tell you what, Adam, in this climate, it's probably going to be a female reboot. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, I would go see that movie. You know why? Why? Because I like the first one. Mm-hmm. More like City Slick hers. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> what am I doing, Iron Man? Is that what it is? Sweet Leaf. Sweet Leaf. Yeah. Don't get on mic, Brian. Uh, <laughs> what did I call you, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Brett. Look, ever since Chef uh, Kevin got on mic and starts, you know, it starts going to his head, I don't, I don't want my engineers getting on mic. Okay, like this is the one show that people are not allowed to get on mic and get famous on. So, Brett, but by the way, you're you, now you're like a regular on Who Charted, not on my show. Is this an episode of Not on My Show? I think it might be. Show must go on. Hey, everyone, welcome to Not on My Show. This is Scott, and this is Scott. not on my show. I bye. I show must go on. Good anyway, app. good app. <laughs> Uh, we got a lot to talk about before Edgar gets here. I made a list. Do you have anything you want to say beforehand? No. Okay. I want to make a correction. Last week, I couldn't think of who Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald, uh, modern artists who uh, they appeared on a recent song, uh, and it's Thundercat. Thundercat. Do you want to hear a little bit of it? Sure. Okay. Remember I was talking about this, and I was like, they were just on a song, but I couldn't remember no. who it was. Thundercat. This is... Uh, the recent song that uh, Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins both guest on. So far, pretty hard. Can I put my wallet away? <laughs> I think it goes without saying at the end of that episode. You might want to pull it out because you might want to buy this song. Yeah, it's pretty good. Goes on like this. They each solo in it, I believe. Um, but a pretty Is good there song. A chorus? No. A hook. <laughs> this is the verse. These guys were smoking some sensimilia, I believe. Back in the back in the seventies. This is the, again. This is uh, this is this is the verse. Let me get to a chorus. Hold on. Oh, there you go. These guys are great. Oh yeah, they're great. So good. Both Do you want those dudes? Uh, we should go see them at the Hollywood Bowl. Are they? So they're touring together, and then I believe so. Yeah, we should. They're doing two nights. Go. We should pick one of them. Yes. Um. What else? Anyway, people wrote to me saying, it's Thundercat, goddammit. People hate it when they listen to a podcast and someone doesn't know something. Hmm. So I apologize, but I didn't know. Um, 
<clears throat> I also want to say someone made a really funny video for our unofficial oh, man, theme song. How does it feel when you're in REM? Let's uh, we'll watch the video, but we'll play the song again because we great. play it all the time. But the video is really funny using REM. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> is that our unofficial theme song? Would you say? Yeah, but it's unofficial. This is a song that means a huge amount to me because I wrote it when I came out of a very bad, a very dark period. <laughs> How does it feel when you're in R.E.L.? Are you watching it? What? Are you watching it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. They timed the video. It's, it's like perfect. REM concert footage that they timed to the song. It's really, really funny. I don't know who did it. It's it's great. And I don't really care. What's it called on How YouTube so people can find it? Yeah, it's How Does It Feel When You're in REM Live by, by Sir, Sir John Floyd. It's and, of course, awesome. the original track is by Troubles Afoot on SoundCloud. Troubles Afoot. Go check out... That song as well, and you can download it as well as uh, <laughs> other songs that Troubles Afoot wrote. Go now, check that out. Yes. Recently, you two were playing in Atlanta, I believe, and they threw out some uh, little wait, tip wait, of the wait, hat wait, to wait, REM. Is this an episode of you talking you two to me? I believe so. From boy to breaking wave, every last one of them that is, this is you talking you two to me, the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things you two. This is good rock and roll uh, music. Welcome back. And we're here with, um, this is Scott, by the way. And, oh, hey, uh, this is Adam. Or Scott, whatever you want you to say. Hey, yeah, you're being cool. But yeah. Now, what you? we were talking before the show. Yeah. About something, but I wanted to bring it up on this show. What were you saying? Well, you uh, two was playing in Atlanta last week, and they tipped the hat a little bit to uh, REM so, because I believe our our boy Mike uh, Myers was in the was in the crowd, right? Oh, is that what it was? <clears throat> well, he was in the crowd on the on the opener, right? Was he in the crowd there? Oh no, they ju- he they were in Georgia. I, were I, in I see, Atlanta, I see, yeah. I see. What, what did they say? Because people sent that to me, but I never read what they actually said. They he sang uh, "End of the World as We Know It" lyrics at the end of. Either was it the end of elevation or something like that? So let's see how this would go. Or vertigo is the end uh, of vertigo. Okay, the end of vertigo. Hello, 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 vertigo. Give me something I can feel. Leonard Bernstein. Something like that. Great. See you next time. Bye. That was cool. That was, there was another YouTube thing I wanted to bring up, but I'm forgetting what it was. Well, we should just do – we'll do another episode of them. Sure. Uh, at some point. Um, our guest is wondering where to park, and I'm going to say park anywhere. Um, okay. Now, uh, one other thing I want to ask about. Last week for Up, yeah, we each did a resequencing, and the yes. fans were very interested in them. And uh, what they say? We're taking a lot of sides on which one they liked. Some liked mine. Some liked yours. Uh, did you? And we said we would listen to each other's and see what we thought of them. Did you listen to mine? <laughs> I, I did. already know the. Oh, you did. I did. What do you think? Um, well, you know, it's 
it's uh, it's good, but the only problem with it good is the enemy of great. The the only problem for it with it for me was that my the two songs that I diminished in Parakeet are no, missing. Yes, and you're in the air, and and the apologist are on there, and and you those don't are like the those. Ones too. I kind of felt like are the most disposable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they're kind of especially you're in the air. I feel kind of as draggy and diminished. I to the, yeah. such a great song. I listened to both of them today. I can go either way on Diminished. Like I said, I think last week I could put it in or not put it in. It just didn't work with the yeah. sequencing. Yeah. Parakeet, I'm, I listened to again yeah. today. Not really a fan. But uh, I listened to yours again, and I think it's uh, it's really good. Uh, the only thing I would say is, is I think side one is a little short. I think right. it needs one more song. Because it ends with it ends with Why Not Smile, Oxford, yeah. but but it only has like four, four songs. songs before then. I think it needs one more. Anyway, so, but some good stuff. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I like yours as well. I felt like Day Sleeper so early in the album. It's almost like I understand putting the single up top and it's such a solid song. It really works, but I feel like the, the, the latter half of the album needs a little oomph to it. And, mm-hmm. but I like the I like the combination of hope and day sleeper on yours. Yeah, I, I think those are cool. And together. what do you think about Airport Man closing? I conceptually I like it, but practically I <laughs> I feel like you're a practical guy. I like how they they end their albums with a a bang, and it's such a sometimes kind of, literally, sometimes it'll be like bang, or someone just going bang bang on a monopeak. Or they have Lance Bangs. Yeah, just like hello. going, hey, goodbye, everybody. This has been Lance Bangs, closing it out. Bye. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Anyway, let us know uh, how you liked it. Uh, I also have uh, some other stuff to bring up. Uh, Jonathan Galkin at um, DFA Records uh, sent me a big, big care package the other oh, day. Yeah? Uh, sent me a lot of stuff, and I wanted to give you some of the some of the stuff that I already had. I get some of it. Yeah. Oh. Do you? Uh, so I wanted to give you a couple of Holy Ghost records. Cool. Uh, something by the Rapture and uh, LCD Sound Systems first record. Oh, red. Um, and uh, some of the stuff that he sent that I had never heard of that I really liked were uh, Slim Twig. Liked that a lot. Liked, um, I think it's pronounced Esaipa, maybe? E-S-S-A-I-E-P-A-S. I uh, really like Princehorn Dance Dance School and uh, especially the Juan McLean. Do you know the uh, the Juan McLean? Mm-hmm. I believe that is Nancy uh, from LCD Sound System Side Project. Oh, cool. And when LCD Sound System were broken up, I think it was the main project. But uh, let me see if I can find... A little bit of it here for you to listen to to see if you like the Juan McLean. This is the Juan McLean with everybody. No, actually, I'm going to play uh, a place called Space. Sounds spacey already, huh? Thank you. 
Typical uh, electronic music ramping up. sort of a good idea anyway it's weird i don't have lcd sound systems first record but i know all these songs yeah that's the first record and then the second disc is all of their early singles before the first record came out this is awesome yes so enjoy all i feel like i have all of this but not on a thing this is great love it love it thank you jonathan appreciate i mean he sent me like a long box full of that's uh, really nice like probably uh 30 records oh so i'm getting like you're getting the uh you're getting my runoff okay Holy uh, Ghost is great. <clears throat> yeah, Holy Ghost is really great. I, I, I really like them. I uh, also want to thank uh, fan Rachel Gillingham wrote us a letter, although she didn't actually send it. She just tweeted us a picture of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so thanks. But loyal listener. What'd uh, she say? Uh, just how much she loves the show. Uh, it makes her happy, etc. That's nice. Stuff like that. So thank you to Rachel. Uh, how you doing out there? Um, all right. So... Got a lot to talk about with Edgar. When we come back, we are going to be talking about the Man on the Moon soundtrack, as well as other things. We will be right back with more Are You Talking R.E.M. Remy. Our guest Edgar Wright will be here after the break. Yes. Enjoy a little yes. of the Juan McLean until then. Hey, Adam, today's episode is brought to you, this is the second week in a row, by the way, uh, by The Sound of Vinyl. The Sound of Vinyl, a new way to collect vinyl records. Now, The Sound of Vinyl is not just a record store. Although it would be great if it was. I would go to it. Okay, but it's not. Why are we fighting about this? Think of a record store and then think of something more if you can fit that into your stupid fucking brain. Okay, let me think of a record store. Um... McDonald's? I don't oh know, man. God. I'm freaking oh out here. God. I'm freaking out. Okay. You intimidate me. Okay. Look, they have a website, all right, with over 20,000 titles for sale. Sure, like a record store. Yes. See, you've got it. Okay, I finally got it. They sell hamburgers, no, records. 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 Okay, so the sound of vinyl just sells the circular thing that's a record, not that's the circular right. thing that's a hamburger. No. Although, if you want a hamburger, they'd be happy to make one for you. <laughs> I'm sure they and would. sell it to you for money. And, and top chef quality yeah, as and well. And top it with ketchup, mustard, and tomatoes. <laughs> All right, Adam. Um, they also have this really cool thing, and I've been doing this um, for about a month now. It's an amazing recommendation service that you uh, it can learn about your taste, and then it also offers personalized suggestions of records that you will love. Okay, check this out, Adam. Here's how it works. Okay. It works over text message. I love text messages. Uh, beep, boop, boop, boop. Yep. Bring, bring, bring. Hello, why are you calling me? Talk about communication in the 21st century. <laughs> Talk about it in the 20th century. That, <laughs> that's a little more my speed. Okay. Um, so what they do is they text you with a vinyl offer, 
like uh, the other, like just, okay, let me, let me see what they texted me today. Here All we right. go. Here we go. Okay, today they texted me Beach Boys, 15 big ones, $25, shipping, free returns. Is it called 15 Big Beefers? <laughs> I think it's, there's 15 members of the Beach Boys, and they're all talking about their dongers. <laughs> talking about big farts they've cut? <laughs> so anyway, oh, they'll text you stuff okay. like that. They've, ta- they've texted me uh, all sorts of different styles, actually. And you say just like, yes, and then they You don't even to have you? to respond. Yeah, if you say yes, if, if you want to buy it, all you do is reply yes. Is this the and Com- then they Columbia Record and Tape Club? No, it's, it's not. It's just under a different name. No, it's not. It's great. Uh, I replied yes to a John Coltrane record that I got, which is great. You'll and never listen. Uh, and I also got a uh, Tribe Called Quest sort of not B-sides oh, cool. record, but um, like obscure tracks record. Um, it's fun. They You can even text back to chat with a real-life human being who can help you find the perfect record for you. They have exclusive limited edition color vinyl, which I, I saw, like, uh, I was saying last week, I saw uh, Beck's new Colors record. They have, like, different colors great of every album. single every single uh, side it. of it is great. Um, it's really great. Get special edition records from R.E.M. They have a bunch of R.E.M. on there. Fantastic. Uh-huh. Weezer, The Beach Boys, Kiss, all sorts of stuff. There are no subscription fees. There's no commitments. Just give it a try. Go to soundofvinyl.com slash REM to sign up for the text service, and you'll get $5 off your first record. Again, that's soundofvinyl.com slash REM for 5 bucks off your first record. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. Are you talking REM, Remy? Um, do you like it when hosts are come back from a commercial and have no idea what to say? <laughs> Immediately it. say, I love it. Um, <laughs> what are we doing? Um, welcome back. This is exciting. We're going to be talking about the um, man on the moon, on the moon soundtrack, of course. Um, and uh, we have a very special guest who is coming to us from, as they say, uh, across the uh, across- Atl- Atlantic Ocean. Okay, I thought you were going to say across the pond. Why would I say that? Well, that's the that's really rude. Isn't that the expression that's really rude. Why would you think I would say that? Wait, why would that be? Rude? That's really fucking rude. Yeah, rude. R- rude. Well, now I think you're being fucking rude, bro. Wait, is this an episode of You're Being Fucking Rude? Yeah. Hi, everyone. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And welcome to You're Being Fucking Rude. And to my right is a person who encapsulates the very title of this podcast because he's fucking rude. You know what, Scott? No joke. You're being fucking rude. You know what? I wouldn't even try to joke about this because you're being fucking rude. I feel like you should try to joke about it and fucking fail, bro. Ha 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 ha. Fuck you, fucking rude. Eat shit. Eat shit. See you next time. Bye. Bye. That was a 
good app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was gripping. It was really like a lot of inherent drama. I don't want to say suspenseful, but like. But maybe better, like more suspenseful than any Alfred Hitchcock movie? Yeah, like better than any movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Wait a minute. Is this an episode of I Love Film? We got to wait until our next guest, our first guest guest here, before we go into an episode of I Love Film. Yeah. Or I, I love think that's films. actually why he he's here is to be on. <laughs> yeah, I think we may not do REM at all and just do an episode of I Love Film. Um, he is the director of. Uh, let's be honest. He he has uh, his filmography is a few films, and his movieography is a couple of movies. And I want to figure out like what he thinks is a movie and what he thinks <laughs> yeah. is a film. Oh no, that's an age old question. <laughs> um, he has. Uh, if I'm ca- if my if my calculations are correct, <laughs> if my calculations are correct, he has completed six. Uh, full-length major motion pictures, uh, of which Fistful of Fingers is one. Is that correct? It, uh, 78 minutes. It's barely a feature It's film, barely, yeah. but we consider it to be one. Yes. Uh, over the line. And by the way, don't talk until I introduce you. It's Sorry. like you're being fucking rude. <laughs> you're being fucking rude. <laughs> <laughs> the age-old trap. Ask the guest, uh, guest a question. <laughs> And then snap at him. Um, he is the director of uh, some wonderful films, including uh, Baby Driver and uh, The End of the World. No. What is it called? The World's End. <laughs> Same thing. When you, really, you know what I mean? Like, can't we just call it The End of the World? No. Because that fits in with the REM theme. <laughs> Um, Sean saves the planet. What is it? Called? What is it? What is it? <laughs> Mom and Dad save the planet. Mom and Dad save the Yes. <laughs> Mac and me. Uh, please welcome Edgar Wright. Edgar Hello. Wright. I'm trying to give you some entrance music. Oh, nice. Uh, you forgot that that song has a, an intro. Welcome, Edgar. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, well, we were to talking about before you got here that you put uh, an REM song in uh, Baby Driver. You did. I yeah. mean, I was going to get to that, but uh, okay, we'll just we're getting right to it. Bury, yeah. Why bury the lead? Uh, you put. Uh, uh, let's talk about uh, the soundtracks to to Baby Driver because you put out two great ones. Um, and I have them here on my, the old iPod. You, you see, I like you're using an iPod and you have the vinyl right in front of you. I know, <laughs> well. Like it's right there. <laughs> you were nice enough to give me this as a, as a uh, yeah. do, do you call it a gift or was it, do you, did you like write it off on your taxes? No, I didn't. No, it was a gift. It, it was, was a, a thank gift. you present because you did some Q&As opening I, yes. weekend with me. I did a Q&A for you. I, I was happy to do it. Um and uh, you gave me a nice signed vinyl signed by you, yeah, not the cast. <laughs> and you you put on an, an REM uh, track on the Baby Driver two soundtrack. You put on New Orleans instrumental number one. Let's hear a little bit of it here. Ah, uh, what part of Baby Driver is this? When I, I would imagine it's someone like looking at someone contempt, uh, not contemptuously, but contemplatively. Yes. It's when he like uh, drops off his um, foster father at the old folks' home. Yes. And then leaves him and leaves, like, leaves with a, a recorded note. message because he's, uh, he leaves him a, rec- a recorded message on his lap and then, uh, and then has to leave. So it's kind of like a, a goodbye scene. Could you do some of the dialogue too? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Joseph. <laughs> That's how it starts. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, it, it's funny actually because there was a point I used it as um, it wasn't one that was written into the original script. 
And then when I was editing the movie, I do you always, usually write the songs into the script, did, like as you're going? I did with this one, yeah. I because usually, it's all based on music. You yeah. had to, right? Yeah. I mean, I wrote nearly everything into the script, and then this one came later. Uh, and I was always a fan of this track from the album. Did you think you were going to use score, or did you have a different song? Well, that's what's funny is I used it in the sort of the I used it in the temp, and I was going to get uh, because it was a, a question temperature of the temperature the temp uh, temporary soundtrack. So I had put the R.E.M. song <laughs> in there. Adam's looking over at me like, either good one or shut the fuck up. Uh, I can't it's, tell. It's so, so solidly good one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it, was in the, the tempor- it was in the temporary version, and I liked it, but there was a question of how many songs we could afford. Right. You know, how many songs are actually like in? 36 songs. Needle Drops. Wow. Yeah, in Baby Driver. It's crazy. So but, did you get everything that you <clears throat> wanted? Yeah, there were the only things that we couldn't get were a couple of. Um, there were sometimes there were like hip hop songs where the they were unclearable. It wasn't a question because of, of the original sample. Yes, or? because there were samples in it that you know had never been cleared themselves, and it got into a whole rights issue. But the REM song, I um, I really liked it in there. But I thought, well, maybe this is a good place. We have a great composer, Steve Price, Oscar-winning composer. This is a good place for some score. The funny thing is, Steve Price himself is a massive REM fan, and he goes, "Oh, I do love that." So it was in the temp, and he watched it, and he was like, "That actually, I mean, it works. is really great." Right? And he goes, I'll, "I'll, I'll do something," but you know, that's really great because it sounds like score. I honestly, yeah. I, I saw the movie before uh, listening to this album, and I thought it was score. I, I didn't. Did you when you saw the movie? Did you realize it was? Oh R-E-M? yeah. I nudged Naomi and said, "That's New Orleans instrument." Uh, mm-hmm. Did so you shut? Were up. you doing the popcorn trick during that <laughs> <That's> as well? <laughs> well, New Orleans instrumental number two is a signal. Please put your hand in the popcorn and give me a hand. It's always good to trick your wife into right. giving you a hand job because after a few years, <laughs> oh yeah, they're just hey, come not on. into it. <laughs> but what happened was that I, I, it was in there until very late, and I think um, some. Journalists from Empire had seen the movie early because they have to write articles about it, and they'd seen it before it was how finished. Er, how early are we talking? Like, you know, months before coming out. Because I saw it in March, and it came out in, what, June? Yeah. Was it, it was before that. South by South. Yeah, yeah. Before that. Okay. So here's the thing is that one of these journalists, Chris Hewitt from Empire, he said um, he loved the movie, and then one of the things he said in his, like, email, he said, ah, I love the fact you used that R.E.M. song. Uh, That's fantastic. Right. That's one of my favorite R.E.M. songs. Whoa. Huh. And as soon as he'd said it, it started to nag at me, thinking, mmm, yeah. right. clear it. Was it? <laughs> was so it ex- very late in the day, Steve Price had already done a piece of music right. to go with that bit. And, and, and we, what did it sound like? It was definitely in the style. Like, bang, bing, bing, <laughs> bing, <laughs> bing, boom, boom. But it's not a difficult one to clear. It's just a matter of having to pay for it, probably, right? It was that. It was also. Well, that's all. I mean, you can you put can anything in also, anything. It's also like the amount of time it takes to clear it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I could probably. Right. You know what? If I could find it and you could stick it on the end. I can get Steve Price's version of New Orleans. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Please, please. Yeah. Okay, I'll well, email, him. email He'll it be to happy, us, yeah. And then you can hear at the end what he That did would be amazing. Instead of that. And then people could put it on their Baby Driver soundtracks as like a bonus track. Yes. I don't want to think, make people think that all of their copies of Baby Driver soundtrack are invalid now. <laughs> right. I think they are. <laughs> Take them back. So, did, ha, so, what, then, so was then, it expensive? Um, because it's REM and like because I mean you have a lot of the Baby Driver soundtracks are so good I mean you have a lot of big you know you have Beck on there uh, you know and you have Queen. Uh, Run the Jewels and Queen and a lot of expensive bands but I would imagine that REM is up there with like you know they don't license stuff to anyone right 
No, I mean, we had a cut. I think we had an in because I'm friends with Brian Burton, a Danger mm. Mouse, who released the album on his label. And I'm pretty sure that he worked with them or he knows Michael, um, Michael Stein. He knows everyone. Oh, <laughs> nice name drop, by the way. <laughs> like, I like the one place you don't have to qualify who Michael is. Right. Michael, <laughs> yeah, Michael, we, Michael, Michael well, Stein. Well, honestly, I don't know who we're talking about sometimes. I feel like we need to go over band members. Yeah, I think okay. we might need to. Like, who is go, in, who is in our? As far as you know, who is in REM? Because sometimes well, I, could, I get confused. I could tell you their surnames. Well, Michael Stipe and then Stripe. Mills, uh, Berry, and Buck. Right? Yeah, yeah. that okay, sounds familiar, correct. but I don't even know. That like, is right, isn't it? It is correct. But Scott, why don't you refresh you, our memories okay. just a little bit? Okay, you have basically you have Stripe, <laughs> the the gremlin with the the stripe. He's the lead singer. Yes. You have Gizmo. P- Peter, you have Gizmo. Gizmo. Uh, you have the the fat Asian guy who sells them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he's, he's the third the member. Player. Yeah, he's the guitar player. And then you have uh, Hoyt Z- Axton. Hoyt Axton. <laughs> yeah. And then you have, And then Zach uh, Gilligan is, <laughs> yes. of course, the fifth member of yeah. REM that we all know. And um, where's what does Phoebe Cates do? Cry, cry, crying shame, she wasn't in the band. Oh, she Love sings. Her. She sings vocals on Shiny Happy People. Yeah, <laughs> and she she also does the, me and Honey. She does a little. <laughs> Back Isn't it up. weird that she married Kevin Klein and just disappeared off the face of the earth? Like, she should be in a movie. She's great. They were in, remember Anniversary Party? Yes. How great that movie was? I remember I had an anniversary party. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. she was great. That's why I said it. Have I told you my Kevin Klein theory? Oh, no. Let us have it. Mustache for funny roles. Funny. Uh-huh. Clean shaven for dramatic roles. What about beard, though? Well, he never did. He go full beard ever? I feel like he did for I'm a sure Wild Wild West. Yes. Did just a couple years ago for that uh, thing with maybe Paul, that was a drum uh, dramedy. The best man? No, what was it called? What was that with film um, what's Paul his Dano? Name? With Paul Dano. I can't remember what that film's called. I've seen it though. Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. it's the, not called the best man. You know, his he, everyone calls him Kevin Decline because he passes on everything. What? <laughs> now that is rude. You Here's know what? My other theory. That's fucking rude. <laughs> That's fucking rude. When he's in, he's in the. Is he in the Pink Panther one or two? He's in one. He's of in them. both of them. He's I in think. both of them. But there is that thing is that Ke- I think when Kevin Klein signed on to the Pink Panther and famously Inspector Clouseau, played by Steve Martin, but right. Inspector Clouseau has a b- comedy mustache. Right. And, and then, then Kevin Klein also has a mustache. So you suddenly he does? have a, a, in the Pink Panther. The so Pink they're Panther. having a mustache off. <laughs> they have a mustache off in that film. That's I, right. I just wanted just, to say it like you say it, by the way. A mustache off. A mustache off. He has one in I've uh, never I'm never comfortable in this country saying mustache. I know. Well, there mustache. are certain words, certain words. There's aluminum. Yes. Aluminium. Yeah. And oh, that's, that's crazy. So nuts. That's nuts. I like why why don't Graham. you as, I don't understand like why Graham, to me it says Graham crackers. It's spelled Graham. Graham. I don't know why England. Kind of like I, I like the way Graham, <laughs> the, the way Graham is 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 spoken in. It's well, that's my true son's because name. what are you comfortable saying that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's not my son's name. Okay, what is no, it? Is, what is his Graham? Name? It's it's Graham, yeah. but only, no one says it like that. Usually right. they say Graham. Graham. But I don't understand why England as a country doesn't say like, okay, let's cut the shit. <laughs> We're going to just say aluminum from now on, and we're going to drive on the other side of the road. Like, honestly, like, uh, you go to England, it's one of the only countries in the world, and it's cool and all. Like, oh, oh we drive yeah, on the left. but that's you go to England for. You do? Yeah. But look, now every single corner in England has that 
look look right or whatever it is. You know, like they they had basically how many people were dying a year in England? It had to be in the hundreds of thousands, getting run over by cars, driving on the wrong hundreds side of the road. Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> Come on. You look throughout. That is the standard thing that people say. When you're in the UK and you talk about being in the States, he goes, literally the first question is, is it funny driving on the wrong side of the road? Is it funny? (laughs) You guys are one of the only countries in the world that does it. So much so you have to paint every corner. It drives me nuts. Um, Let's talk about, let's talk, what? Uh, let's talk about what do you think this is the Kevin Klein podcast? What do you think <laughs> about Kevin Klein? Now, what do you what do you think makes good makes for good music in movies, and what do you think makes for good movies in films? And what is the difference <laughs> as far as you're concerned? Music in films. I mean, it's it's interesting. There is some sometimes I think um, you know if songs have very specific lyrics. That doesn't, unless it's actually completely dead on. I was like, what do you think about when they use sabotage in Star Trek? You know, they used it in two different, two different Star Trek movies at this point. What do you think about that? When they're like, listen, all y'all, it's a sabotage, and then they're blowing up space things. It's kind of like, oh, they I used get it. it in your two Star Trek movies. Yeah, they used yes, in the last in the one, as well. one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. Given one. that my good friend Simon Pegg co-wrote that film, I probably mm-hmm. can't tell you. What you actually think. Okay. So you you think it's... I, well, the only thing with Sabotage... I, I, I like, like the, the first I, one. I like the idea of it, but I, I'm, I'm, I was spinning to think, wait, like, is this uh, Captain Kirk's grandparents' music? I didn't mind it in the first one. I was kind of like... Because here's another theory I have. Anytime you see a period piece movie... Everyone is listening to a song from that particular yeah. year. No, no one does that. When you're at home, you're listening to stuff from 20 years ago. You know, like I wish I could see a movie in the 70s, you know, like a Goodfellas type movie, and people are listening to stuff, you know, from the 50s or whatever because it just drives me crazy. Everyone is like listening to something from that particular month sometimes. I know what you mean. Although I, I found with there was a um, I Tonya recently had lots of mm-hmm. sort of had that where all the music was from the 70s, right? And I found myself wishing that there were more. I said, oh, if this movie had like all Richard Marks, right? And, yeah, <laughs> you know, like New Kids on the Block. I thought the 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 music was just a little too cool. Well, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it, it's an imp- it an impression your, of Scorsese as well. It stands yeah. up to your sort of premise of like that they would be listening to yeah, that's true. stuff, you know, that's true. I mean, that's also uh, that we had that in the world's end is that the I always used to find it funny when I used to go back to my local pubs that they used to be playing. Like hits from twenty years ago, right? So like all Oasis movie, Britpop stuff. Yeah. And, so I thought yeah. in the movie that would be absolutely dead on. Is that mm-hmm. you would go into a pub and they'd still be playing the, you know, hits of like ninety eight, right? You know, in the pub. Wait to go back to the first Star Trek movie. Is he actually <laughs> listening to it on his headphones? I think so. he's yeah, listening yeah, to it car, while, right? when he's driving a car. I like it in the first Star Trek movie because he's like he's just listening to a song and it's like yeah okay a dude from the hundreds of years in the future is listening. It's like listening to you know Brahms as I do in my car. So in the Star Trek universe, they are they are still on Earth in the first movie. They're in the Beastie Boys universe, right? There is, it's in the Beastie Boys universe, but he's he's listening to music. Does it say what the year is? Is it twenty one something? Well, it's yeah, one? it's like some Star Day twenty one or right, twenty two. Right, right. So it's hundreds of, or a hundred years in the future. They're right. still listening to the Beastie Boys. I didn't mind that, but in the second one, what I guess I mind is that See, intergalactic cinematic back, universe. Yeah, yeah. Back to your point, they're using it. While they're blowing up stuff, like in the first one, it's just like what, what do they call that? Where it's uh, 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 the term where you're listening to something in the music, diegetic, diegetic. So the, in the first 
film it's diegetic it, it is in the third film as well but they're using it while they blow up stuff and the lyrics back to your original point are hey sabotage and they're blowing up stuff it's a little too on the nose for me mm-hmm. but what, what was your point about uh the songs have lyrics and they're hard to use in in movies well i was thinking about this uh i want i was you know being um I'm in the process of doing a documentary about Sparks. Yes, we've talked about that. It's very exciting. And one of the things I noticed is that there's, their songs aren't in a lot of films. And then I realized that it's because the lyrics sometimes are incredibly specific. When they're Also, when they're like very fast lyrics of, you know, it's hard to use in a film. Yeah. And, you know, so usually I think, you know, you can use, you know, in Baby Driver, like I went towards a lot of songs that were, very let's, dynamic in their structure. Let's play one, like, by the way. Oh, there you go. See, this is a perfect example. This, this, this is a yeah. song that has like a two and a half minute build up. Yeah, it's great. I mean, this 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 song literally made me um, think of the scene. Yes. So the this is around. the John Spencer Blues Explosion, Bell Bottoms, which is uh, you heard this and then started imagining the scene that starts the movie. Yeah. And that's why you wanted to make the movie. You wanted yeah. to make a movie sort of all based on that where every scene was sort of like a music video in a like way. Like he has scored his, this yeah. job to a particular song. Yeah, it's yeah. like every moment is that perfect moment where your life aligns with what you're listening so to. So that's interesting. Let's let's go through some of the tracks on this because it's interesting when you say that. I guess I didn't really think about it in terms of like a lot of these songs have long instrumental stretches. Yeah, like famous intro uh, this was great too like Brighton Rock the Queen song has like a sort of famously long guitar solo right right you know we have Egyptian Reggae by Jonathan Richmond it's just an instrumental yeah fantastic and then we have Smokey Joe's Lala oh is this that, was great is that code for pussy <laughs> I think all jazz songs are, are like code, for, code for, pussy. for pussy listen to any jazz song they're talking about pussy <laughs> Um, we also have Cantaloupe Okay, the Beach Boys Let's go away for a while <laughs> Cantaloupe Yeah, another instrumental Yeah We have Carla Thomas B-A-B-Y Of course This, 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 is, this is more On the nose This is more right. on the nose Yeah She's, She's talking about she, the song Because she sings it's about his name So were all of these Kind of written into the script Like they came yeah. from All from of you? these ones That you've currently Like sort of like Shuffled through were all in the script. So do you even have actually a, apart from Smokey Joe's Lala, which was a last minute replacement. Really, for, uh, really, and you don't want to say where the original is because no, it was. Um, you know, it was the one song that during the edit, as I was editing it, uh, we had a chance to do some reshoots, and uh, and I seized the opportunity to change part of a scene because I'd got sick of the song. Really? Because if you're making a film, you better love those songs. Yes. You have to listen to them a thousand times. And before Smokey Joe's La La, it was Nut Rocker by B Bumble and the Stingers, which is a I great song. I don't know song. that one. Oh, you will when you hear it. You'll Nut go, Rocker? Oh, Nut Rocker by B Bumble and the Stingers. Like nut as in like like, like balls? Yeah. I mean, that, that one is not about pussy. Okay. <laughs> Nut Rocker is the opposite. Oh, okay. Um, this is a great scene in the film, of course. Oh, yes. This is the... Do you use a music supervisor at all? I mean, do you need one? I, I mean, I picked the songs. We had an amazing uh, supervisor, Kirsten Lane, who cleared all the songs. Okay, but right. I, I came up with all of the yeah. the songs. And how, how did you how did you come up with them? Were you just like shuffling through your music and going, oh, that would be cool? Or did you have certain ones in your mind that you were like, I've always wanted to use that? I had like about... This is Nut Rocker, by the way. Oh, you know this one. 
I think this is a number one in the US as well. Really? Yeah, in like 1961. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't alive, so I don't think I was you know cognizant of it. Oh, yeah. I like this part of it, yeah. the Nutcracker. Oh, is that what it is? Nutrocker? Nutcracker? Yeah. Got it. Oh, yeah. See, I, I quite like it again now. Maybe it'll be better. <laughs> You've come back too. around on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, this one. Okay. Apparently recorded in one take. <clears throat> Wow, and then like a number one wow. instrumental single. So did you did you have things in oh, yeah, mind, had, or were I, you? I had about ten of them worked out before I started writing, and then when I would so the big action set pieces, I knew what song they would be. So I had, and I I even had broken down the songs with a a music editor mm-hmm. who had, ten years ago, like Steve Price, who now is a an Oscar winning composer. But um, for what? Gravity. He won the Oscar for Gravity. Gravity. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. And he also did the score for The World's End, and he did some of the score on Baby Driver. Although I thought that not movie was R-E-N-D. weird because it's like Gravity, and then I go see it going, oh, cool, everyone's going to be tethered to the ground. <laughs> no, and there's then, like a lack of gravity. It's crazy. It's like, call it lack of gravity. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't it's know. It's too long of a title. Yeah. So then call, then call it lack of. <laughs> yeah, but then they wouldn't know what you're talking about. That's probably true. Um, so he... Sorry, what was your point? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I did. I, I had like 10 of them worked out, and then there were times when I'd get to a scene and I didn't have a song worked out, so I would sit there and find the song. Just shuffle through it. stuff? Oh, I would even like, before you started. Full sh- Rain Man, I would like put my iTunes in like duration order. And I would sort of. Go, and you oh, knew like how long the scene was supposed I to be. I was sort of thinking, no, oh, this scene's probably going to be two and a half minutes long. Let's try and find a, like a song that's in the right vein that's this long. Wow. As you what? Wait, sorry. As I'm While writing. You, oh, as you're writing it. You know, and then I like you'd land upon that Beach Boys yeah. instrumental and go, oh, this is perfect. What about in Shaun of the Dead? The for Don't Stop Me Now. Did you shoot that with that song? Yeah, mm-hmm. we had to. Um, but we did have like at that at the point we had that worked out. That was our A choice. And um, we had to go into the um, we had to go into the shoot with a B option because mm. we we're still like clearing the Queen song. It's like B movie. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> no. Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld's B movie. <laughs> um, the B movie does exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> That's um, true. It is a B movie. That's what I like. <laughs> this is what I like. To, like just be clear. Like Baby Driver. <laughs> It was, I mean, it was good I mean, in the sense, technically his name is Baby, and so <laughs> yeah, you so you like, s- you just squeeze through on a technicality, but God damn it, if I didn't go into that you film expecting- You would rather expecting- called Driver Called Baby. <laughs> I w- no, I would rather the movie was different, and it was about a baby <laughs> literally driving around. Like Baby's Day Out. Yes, yeah. or Boss Baby. Like, or hey, I'm, a, I'm such a boss, I can take a day off. Baby and- Geniuses? Yeah, or Baby Jesus. <laughs> baby Geniuses too. So what? But wait, sorry. What was the B song for? Oh, that the song? B song for Queen in um, Shaun of the Dead was Rasputin by Boney M. I don't know that. One. Oh, if you, wait, believe me, you're about to enter into a world of the greatest lyrics ever. Boney M. It'll look that Boney up. Boney M. A disco song about Rasputin. I mean, one of the reasons really? we didn't use it was because it like had more, you know, like people knew it better in Europe than they might over here. Right. This is Tequila by the Button Down Brass. We're just scrolling through songs on the Baby Driver soundtrack. In your opinion, Edgar, what makes a good soundtrack? Because we're talking about records here. And you've put out two great ones with the two Baby Driver uh, soundtracks. And I don't have uh, your other soundtracks, so I cannot comment on those. But what makes a good soundtrack for you? Like, do you listen? Do you buy a lot of soundtracks? I do, actually. And I write, I, li- I like listening to scores when I um, write. 
Right. Uh, I listen. Can... I listen to scores when I write because it's hard to listen to lyrics when you are writing dialogue. Have you ever wanted a disco song about Rasputin? Uh, this is yeah. It. Oh yes. Here we go. Boney M. Famously, Boney M. Um, like uh, were Millie Vanilli before their time with the same manager and the same scandal. They were not really? singing the songs. They were all done by session singers and the people actually on TV shows. And they're shows. like beautiful people yes. that are lip syncing. Adam, there's motion at your front door. I want to tell you, you got oh, a good. text alert on your. Uh, good. On your. Uh, so that's yeah, good. That's, you expected it. No, it's perfect. This is exactly when <laughs> you've I timed out people coming yes. to your front door at all times. Well, I wanted you to be holding my phone when I. I promise some lyrics are gonna. Ki- ki- yeah. Kick in in a second. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I could see this in that scene, too. It's a history lesson. I've never heard this. It's cool. Get right to the chorus. Get to the chorus. Come on. It's amazing. This is the pre-chorus, right? Yeah. Okay. Scott's always trying to cut out before the chorus. Get ready, guys. Get ready. Here Here it comes. It was a shame how he carried on. <laughs> this is from the album The Essential Boney M, <laughs> which cuts off in the middle of this song? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> they had massive hits in, like, the oh, Europe. No. I think every they had massive hits. I just got at him on the handing him back trick, <laughs> by the way. That's a staple of this show. Um, so what makes a good soundtrack to you? Because we're going to listen to the Man on the Moon soundtrack here after the break, and uh, uh, we'll see how, how that stacks up in terms of soundtrack. So you so listen buckle to all your seatbelts, everybody. Yeah. We're going to listen to the Man on the Moon soundtrack. Um, <laughs> so what? So I, I collect a lot of soundtracks. I'm always, I'm sometimes more interested in a soundtrack, like a good put together soundtrack, than I am like uh, like a band's album or mm-hmm. whatever. What what makes a good one to you? Well, it has to be indicative of the film, and uh, you know it can be tricky sometimes when you're putting a soundtrack together. Is just because the songs are in the film doesn't mean they'll necessarily be on the soundtrack. And with Baby Driver, that was quite a difficult thing to wrangle, which meant to, so that you would have the whole experience of the movie. It became a double album, right? So you and you couldn't even fit all the songs on the double album. No, exactly. You had to so do a volume two. Yeah. So a single album would like just and having been in that situation before where. You release a soundtrack album. Oh, but where's but the, my favorite part of the movie yeah. is this thing. Boogie yeah. Nights, same thing. Yeah, yeah that's two. Really, that's yeah. two volumes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had to um, have a double album, and then we later released a second album, which had the score and some of the other missing tracks. Right, because including REM. How did, REM was relegated to the second volume. Right. And how did the who was who's the gentleman who did the score? I'm um, Stephen Price. Stephen Price. How did he feel about not being represented on the first record? Oh, no, he was cool. He was he, cool. He totally understood. He knew what the movie was and totally understood that it was, like, songs. Sometimes in a lot of, like, mid-'90s soundtrack soundtracks, you would they would put all the pop songs on the record, and then they would put one instrumental, like, from the like score. Sweet, like uh, Mission Impossible, I remember that. Like, Danny Elfman had maybe two tracks on it towards the very end. I remember the Ghostbusters soundtrack had, like, a couple of the... Was it Elmer Bernstein? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. And then they had, like, a couple of the, the pop songs and... 
Yeah, you I, had the, I had that album, The Ghostbusters. Album. I think yeah. when you watch the film again, you suddenly realize that some of the bit, you know, some of the songs are literally like an orderly. Oh, know, dude, there's that part. Pass. There's a oh, part yeah, where, like in a radio d- on the street. There's, as they no, there's, walk a, there's by. part where they're in the act where they're scientists, yes. and a guy is cleaning up, and he has a Walkman yeah. on, and all you can hear is like totally five seconds of S or something. Same with Beverly Hills Cop, a bunch of songs like that. It is bullshit. Oh, this is. I do like in Ghostbusters that song. I believe in magic, magic. Yeah. Remember that one? That yeah. was a good one. Well, good well one. they actually use it when the yeah, yeah. when the that's but, actually properly foregrounded. But here's the, the, here's the problem with that of. song though is like ghosts aren't magic, and they're playing like I believe in magic. No, they're spirit. They're, they're like from another dimension. They're spiritual, but it's not like magic. You, you don't go like abracadabra. Here's a ghost. You, Do you, you think it saying? would have been better if they gone? I believe in ghosts. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> This is Focus, Hocus Pocus, which is the shootout of Baby Driver. I love this song. This is a great song. It actually made me uh, go buy the Focus uh, Best Of, because I didn't really know a lot about Focus. Have Uh, you ever watched clips of them playing this? No. Oh, you should. Just YouTube. um, All right, come over later. (laughs) Focus. Focus on the old grey whistle test playing Hocus Pocus. It's amazing. Okay. It's the reason Why? that I... Are they like 70s rockers? Yeah, but they're like... Well, they, he's yodeling, number one. Right. That, <laughs> that enough, that alone is, should get you to do the it. The combination of yodeling and rock is always good. But it's just amazing watching them actually do this song live. So when you put together Baby Driver then, did you... How did you put together the record? Did you do it as a playlist in your own iTunes or something and yes. say like, oh God, and you, you can only fit so many like 22 minutes per side on the record yeah, or whatever. Exactly. And did you, how did you make the cuts and go, fuck, I just, I can't put this one on. Uh, yeah, it was exactly that. And you have to kind of work it out per like sort of vinyl side mm-hmm. and then, you know, also have to present <clears throat> also, that and then not know necessarily whether all of them are going to make it onto the, the album in time. So it was Yeah, did you have to do a different track listing for the CD as well? Like, did, was it fitting on one CD? I've never seen it. It is on the CD, yeah. So okay. I think sort of every, nearly everything is on there. Because they it, later released like a target um, thing called Killer Tracks from Baby Driver where it's a single CD. Oh, man, I got to go to the Target more and casual. get that. <laughs> That they selected, they made their own selections of how they, they presented it to me, and I was like, "Cool, whatever." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. get it in Target. Something to put on. Get our shit in Target. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a shit what's on it. <laughs> I wanted those Target listeners. There's a lot of '90s soundtrack albums. Remember that they didn't really do them anymore. The Inspired by albums. Oh, oh dude. yeah, oh yeah. Dick Tracy. Those. Yeah. Was Dick Tracy the beginning of that? Well, Dick Tracy at least had Batman. the Madonna. Batman was. Batman, which of course is mentioned in Shaun of the Dead and trashed. Dick Tracy. Yeah. And Batman, I have to say though, actually has songs in it. There are like Spider Man three or maybe Spider Man one, where not a single song is on it. It's purely just a product yeah. of like, okay, we can get all these bands, Soundgarden, and you know all these people. None of the songs are in it. It's all just a score movie, and they just go inspired by. Yeah, and what then there's the- like a who was it that did a, a big Spider Man song, and it it was it may have been over the end credits, but I don't think so. Um, what's that band? Who did that a Spider-Man huge song? Nickelback, right? Nickelback. They had yeah. that huge song in Spider-Man. Hero, something. Hero. Or Hero. Oh, so yeah. Was yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Was but that in the movie? I was feel like that the- was maybe the only song that was actually in the Maybe it's on the end credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, by the way, and what, and you, you'll know this as a filmmaker, what, what song can be eligible for the Academy Awards? Is it only the first song you use in the credits? 
I think it can only be an original song that's eligible. Right. Written, yeah, so it has to, no, it has had, to be original, yeah. but I think there's a cutoff. Like, people were trying to squeeze Academy Award nominations uh, into the, the second, second or, or third. third song, and they were oh, like, no, I no, didn't no, know it's, it's got to uh, be the first one when you play it after the credits, or during the credits. What? Uh, uh, so, so in terms of a good soundtrack listening, you want it to evoke the feel of the film. Do you, What about dialogue? I know, because Baby Driver 2 has dialogue, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that can work sometimes. I think, you know, the Tarantino sort of did it brilliantly. Like the Reservoir Dog soundtrack was yeah. always just brilliantly sort of sequenced to go between the songs and little bits of dialogue for like a flavor of it. I think uh, with with this one, I decided, to, like, that's why on the on the volume two only has the dialogue and it's all mixed together rather than being sort of, there's little separate bits. But right. the second one is more of a sense of the kind of the... The second one is everything is mixed together and the the songs bleed into one another and it's more like uh, a listening experience. The 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 first one is like literally like you you know you're going to own these songs in their pristine conditions, but they're sequenced in the order. Let's hear a little bit of the uh, second one. This is "Robbery Arrival" by Stephen Price. Music and the road. This is the scene where he's saying it's us, the music, and the road. <laughs> it's actually, this, this is the opening of the movie, but that's dialogue from later on. This is all leading Just up us, to... music, and the road. So we'll hear the transition into the first song song. Oh, yeah. Stereo helicopter action. Mm-hmm. The Doppler effect. I loved it. It's weird, though, because for me, Shut it up. sounded like the helicopter started here and went through to over there. So everything bleeding into one another. This is Run the Jewels and Big Boy. And Danger Mouth. And Danger Mouse, yes, uh, Brian. <laughs> Friend of Michael, Stipe. Mm-hmm. Both are really good. You are uh, very good at putting soundtracks together so i'm glad that you are here because uh we have one to listen to today Ah, and we are also going to be talking about you're going you have brought your uh favorite rem songs we are also going to be talking well i have one question that fans of this show are going to want me to ask you (laughs) um we need to take a break though when we come back we're going to get to all of that we'll be right back with more are you talking rem remy edgar wright coming up We'll be back. Hang your collar up inside. Hang your collar. Uh, Adam, it's been uh, about a while. <laughs> but comedian Michael Ian Black, he's a he's a good buddy oh, of ours, yeah, isn't he? I mean, uh, I consider him to be a work friend. He is uh, finally back here on Earwolf, this time with a brand new podcast, and it's called Obscure. Yeah, in Obscure, Michael tackles a great work of literature he's never read, and you probably haven't either. He's reading one of the most well-respected books ever written, Jude the Obscure. Uh Have you ever read that? No. I don't even know what it is, Uh, but it's very well-respected. Sure is. (laughs) No, it's they made it into a movie a couple of times. No, thanks. I'll see a film. All right. Um, he's reading Jude the Obscure out loud, and he's commenting on it as he goes, even though he didn't really want to. 
this book has been on his bookshelf for years. We all ha- we have books like this, don't oh we? God, like so I, I finally threw out the complete works of Plato. I was like, I'm, I bought it when I was eighteen. I was you like, did not. I did. <laughs> it sat on my shelf for yeah. years. I was like, I'm never going to read this. Yeah. Just threw it out. Um, he's same with me with the copy of John Grisham's The Client. <laughs> Were you trying to get that part? Oh, man, I'm never, I'm never. I don't think you're going to get it. Yeah, Renfro if, got it. If they reboot it, though. Oh, baby. I see you kind of as a client. Could you yeah. give me some of your client things? Like, he, like excuse me, could you send them in? Hey, uh, here's uh, here's some money down on the, here's some money for my, your services, please. I'm hired. Perfect. There you go. Really good stuff. Um Michael is reading Jude the Obscure for you, and he has a lot of thoughts to share along the way. He's a great guy. We love him. Uh, join Michael Ian Black. Michael and I were a couple in uh, Wet Hot. That's right. Yeah. Where you were replacing a more famous actor. Oh, well, uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about there. <laughs> um, join him and some of his famous and non-famous friends. Um, I would fit in the latter, and you would fit in the former, I would imagine. <laughs> um, as he... Uh, and, oh, also experts, as he discovers Jude's world and a few things about his own. Is this a terrible idea? Yeah. Probably, but it's a terrible idea he wants to do with you. Subscribe to Obscure now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever the fuck you listen. <laughs> Welcome back. This is another REM instrumental you can use in Baby Driver 2. This is Tricycle, which in my opinion belonged on... New, New Adventures, Adventures in, in Hi-Fi. Inexplicably. Adam's still upset with me about that. Inexplicably. Um, welcome back. We're here with Ed. You're right. Um, working on a documentary for the band Sparks, uh, which is very exciting. When's that come out? I mean, I haven't started, so not for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have started. I actually shot them in concert in London, which was fun. Could you just let me know, like, 24, 24 hours beforehand, before it comes yes, out? Just remind course. me, and I'll go see it. Yes. Okay, thanks. Um, so let's – there's a question that I have to ask you, Edgar, and fans of this show want me to ask you this. Um, and it has to do with uh, your history and identity. Um, but wh- when was the first time you heard of R.E.M.? The first time I heard of <laughs> R.E.M. was, uh, I think – it was on the radio. I remember hearing, I think Superman was the first. Heard of one. them, by the way. Oh, heard of them? Yeah. No, I mean, it was when I heard them on the radio. Okay. So because you. Because, in a way, like, back in, like, when I was, you know, uh, so I was, like, 12, like, when. The, you, when so album you were, came out. you were, like, you're not a little boy, certainly. <laughs> but, not a big boy. But <laughs> you're not a big boy. You're kind of in that in between age where you're like, you know, I want to be considered an adult, but I know I'm I'm not mature enough yet. Uh, you know, I want more responsibility, and yet I still am a kid, and I want to have a good time. You're like in there, right? It's like preteen a turn. Is that a turn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're the preest of teens <laughs> at twelve. And this is when Life's Rich Pageant came out around then. Well, I rem- I used to listen to like most of the music that I knew. I would listen to the radio in the UK, and it, the the interesting thing with the UK is you have like national stations. Yeah. So it was actually quite easy for like. Isn't that like the BBC and everything? It's all government funded. Is that yeah. what it is? So it is a, an interesting thing that unlike here, where you know bands could break in different states and stuff. Because you have a national radio station. You have competition, and that's what the U.S. is all about, you know, free markets. Oh, yeah, capitalism, man. 
So you mean this like rather than different different radio stations in different areas, it's just all radio stations are for the whole country. The all BBC, of like there'd be like I mean at the time there's lots of different stations now, but at the time there's But like at the time radio it was one. like it was like basically everything was PBS or NPR. <laughs> Is that pretty much what it was? Like, like, ev- like the government decides there were three B- three BBC stations or something. At the time when I was growing up, there were like BB- radio. Is BBC one and two? Is it, are we talking TV or radio now? <laughs> Either. Let's do radio. It was like radio, radio, BBC Radio 1, 2, 3, and 4. Mm-hmm. And like one was like the popular stuff. Two was like old people's music. Three was like classical. And four was like documentaries and dramas and things. So if you wanted to hear something left of center... It would be late night on Radio 1. And then sometimes when they're playing the usual programming, some DJs would have... They would have their playlist, like, and I think there'd be an A... Mandated by the government or mandated mandated by the... by the station. station. Like an A, B, and C list of, like, the playlisted tracks. Would the queen pick these songs? (laughs) (laughs) She was constantly DJing. <laughs> but you would get usually you would get the DJ the DJs themselves would have one play per show. That they, that was their taste. Their one. That's fine. And I think DJs here don't even get that anymore. No. Mm-hmm. So I think then I remember listening to the radio and hearing like Superman by R.E.M. and thinking, what is that? You know, mm-hmm. and then you that, didn't even know what Superman was because that, that's, that's an like American, an American thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. capitalism. You'd seen a Superman? Yes. Okay. One's, you'd seen one Superman. I'd seen Superman 3 exclusively. <laughs> okay, good. I actually quite like Superman 3. But they also had, M- <laughs> you had MTV there then? No, no MTV. Really? Until when did later. That... I think maybe like in MTV and VH1 didn't come around properly until, I want to say, the late 80s. Uh-huh. So, but there used to be this thing that I used to, when I was a, a, a preteen, going into being a teenager. Sure. There was this boy. show called The Chart Show, which was on, like, not on the BBC, but on ITV. And it was on a Saturday morning. And it was just a solid hour of videos on Saturday morning. And, and then they'd, they'd have the main pop charts. And then they'd alternate kind of some other charts. And, like, so every, like, fourth week, you'd get the indie chart. Now, it was a sort of 12 to sort of four, 12 to 14. Seeing this, like, indie chart... It would start to really like break my brain because it's stuff that I would like never hear anywhere else, and I wasn't, I didn't have like a cool record store in my hometown. But, what was your hometown, by the way? Uh, Wells in Somerset, which mm-hmm. had a record store, but not a cool record store. It right, was, like, right. There wasn't was like it, an alt, like it was indie. like McDonald's. <laughs> yes, yeah. like but I, re- I remember stuff. vividly that I would watch the chart show, and then I would see um, that is where you'd see like videos for like the Smiths, mm-hmm. like um, the Pixies. Um, the Sugar Cubes, the band that Bjork was in before, which yep. oh, was yeah. Bjork. And I remember like sort of – Which I, was basically like listening to a great Bjork song while a guy shouts over it. <laughs> that's, oh, that's what the I Sugar Cubes exactly is. that one that you mean. But then there's also like Birthday by the Sugar Cubes, yeah. which is like classic right, right. Bjork caterwauling. Sugar Cubes were awesome. Yeah. But anyway, right, but like Adam. also that <laughs> R.E.M. was another one that like sort of, you know – so it's the end of the world as we know it, um, you know, seeing the, the video for that. So I only – I knew them in terms of I liked them, but it wasn't like I, I didn't really buy any music magazines. I didn't – the NME would have been the thing that – Was Q around then no, or not no? not quite. Actually, mm-hmm. no, maybe it was just coming in. Mm-hmm. But I didn't used to buy Q and I didn't buy NME until later. So my experience of REM was literally on music alone and that they were American and that I liked it. So you heard S- Superman once – you don't even know if you're ever going to hear it again. Were you, like, paying attention so much to new stuff that you were, like, trying to jot down? Who I remember for a while I was watching MTV, you know, if they would ever do an uh, alternative 
show, and I would like be waiting for the the track information when it would come up, and I could like hurriedly oh, yeah. jot yeah. it down. Or you know the classic thing of recording things off the radio, being there with a the cassette player ready right. to go to record it. I would do that and with then- Jake Giles band Freeze Frame, by the way, just trying to get the cleanest. <laughs> the thing about Freeze Frame was good was it started with the lyrics with the guy going Freeze Frame, <laughs> so the DJ couldn't talk over it. But I do remember Centerfold. I just wanted the cleanest recording of Centerfold that I could get. And the like it would start and then a DJ would always talk over it like, Jake Ellsband, here yeah. was Centerfold. And I'd go, God damn it. I would stop the tape, wait another hour, 90 minutes for them to play it again. And finally they played it like KFI here played it where it was just like KFI. <laughs> I started record right then and got the entire thing. I was so happy. Ah. Uh. I had that on my, my brother had that on vinyl. I remember we used to we used to buy quite a lot of records, but I remember we went to the record shop and my brother beat me to Centerfold. I wanted to get Centerfold and he got it first. It was a race. And then I got The Lion Sleeps Tonight by Type Fit, which is not quite as cool as Centerfold. That's good. We've talked about The Lion Sleeps Tonight because R.E.M. did a uh, cover of it. Ah, what's that on? That is the B-side of The Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight, which is based upon that record. Ah. Mm-hmm. Centerfold I think we talked about Centerfold too like that album is so great I don't think we talked about it nope no I think we did like on did the U2 show oh okay yeah yeah Jay Gow's band album. yeah great, great stuff great band great stuff their next record when Peter Wolf left Con- yeah well Peter Concealed Wolf. We- Weapons do you know that do you know that uh, no. video no. that's the one where basically it's all about boobs it's <laughs> and the well, video get to know it if you know <laughs> the video is literally like guys very horny band Jay yeah, very horny band centerfold <laughs> and boobs basically a guy standing there and a woman with pointy like a pointy bra coming up behind them sticking her boobs in their back and the guy's like holding their hands up as if they're being stuck up oh, and it's like concealed weapons what do you think about that? <laughs> Especially in the era of Me Too. <laughs> I think that would fly really well today. <laughs> so so you so you are listening to this R.E.M. song. You don't know if you're ever going to hear it again. And then I think after that, then uh, the one I love was a, a hit. Mm-hmm. It was like a top 20 hit in the U.K. Was it top 20? Okay. I think so, because I remember that got playlisted a lot. And then also it's the end of the world as we know it. So mm-hmm. I think then the first ones I bought, also R.E.M., I was thinking about this. I'm not sure. Most of my R.E.M. albums I had on tape. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think I had a CD of R.E.M. until maybe... Maybe automatic for the people. I'm not. I don't think even I, that. Mine I was tape. eponymous. Yours was what was your first CD? Green document. Document. Yeah. Okay. But I thought you had that on tape. First. I did have it on tape. So then. Oh, green was my first CD. Yeah, that's yeah. what I said. Yeah, green. I had. I had. I had green. Yeah, it is what you said. <laughs> I had most of them on tape. and then Yeah, think- we, we had a combination of tapes, and I had half tapes if I would find it used, and then records up until Eponymous. Then I bought everything CD after that. I would also do that thing where you could get a tape out of a library, and then you would copy yes. it. So yes, yeah. or a record out of the library, and I would copy that. Yeah. Oh, I, w- I wouldn't have the technical know-how how to copy a record. Like I so. had the setup for that. Okay, yeah. I would just go tape to tape, and then I would make my own like sort of hand-drawn sort of version of like – so I think I had most mm-hmm. of them. I think I had. Oh man, I used to draw <laughs> the logos on the side of yes. the tapes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like, would spend yeah. so, especially if I was making it for a girl, I'd spend so yes. much time writing out the song titles. And they thought that was cool, right? Oh yeah, they thought it was <laughs> so <you> would- cool. <laughs> 
And then you then you get into a kind of mild panic when the song name is too long. Oh, too long, yeah. and you're like running out. Running out. Butter. It's like, can you put it in parentheses? Do you no. go down one line? Do you just go right? ellipsis? Dot, Do you have dot, to dot, draw dot. an arrow down to the, the <laughs> next line? Mm-hmm. And then you would buy the tapes that were super heavy, like that was going to sound way better. Yeah, oh, you know, right. the like the gold ones. Tapes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The chrome tapes, or all those, all those Bullshit. scams that they put, like the gold CDs yeah. and the chrome tapes and all that stuff that supposedly it sounds great. It's all bullshit. Yeah. I'm not the- sure I ever owned an REM uh, on. I don't know sure if I had any CDs of REM. Really? I must have rebought like I must have had automatic for the people on CD. But I, I think even by then, what was that? Ninety two. Yeah. Yeah. I automatic. I a, yeah. I don't think I had a CD player by then. Still, Wait, you didn't have a CD player. No. Really? When? What's the first CD player that you remember? Very Dickensian existence, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> the one as big as me. <laughs> Go down um, to the corner shop and buy that CD player. <laughs> I think I didn't have like a CD player until I moved to London, which was maybe in like. Uh, uh, 94, 95. Okay. Yeah. So Monster you probably had on CD. You know, well, this might be... That's terrible. No, you can no, you can say whatever you I want. Monster is where I tuned out. That's where you dipped out. Uh, it's where mm-hmm. I dipped out. So you I had... I think I owned anyone's after Monster. So you probably... Michael, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Is that because He's of definitely Monster listening. or you just <laughs> kind of went a different way? I liked this. I like the singles from it. I think I just got into different stuff. It's like yeah. it well, that also ninety five is that monster or ninety four? Ninety four. I mean, this is pure Brit pop. Oh yeah, Blur uh, Oasis. Point, well, Oasis not so much, but like Blur, Pulp, Supergrass, Suede. So, what do you think the difference between Blur and Oasis is to you? Because as far as I'm concerned, in England, this is my impression of it. Like. The working class likes Oasis, and the smart people like Blur. Is that uh, is that too much of a caricature? I mean, that's that's definitely how it's depicted. But I think mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, it's also a north and south thing. Oh, there's really? Because like, because Blur are from Manchester, and uh, Oasis is from no, the sorry, north. sorry, other way around. Oasis are from Manchester, and Blur oh, okay. are from Essex. And so there was definitely like a north south thing, and uh, you know. And, and that was a big part of the rivalry between them and something that would frequently it, come Is up. it also part of, like, Oasis sings these anthemic, by the way, uh, a word we say a lot on this show, uh, sing-along songs, which can be sung in sock, in football games? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I changed it to football for you. <laughs> I hope that's okay. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I never, like, I mean, I, I, I was always strictly in the blur camp because I found them a bit more interesting musically and mm-hmm. they could also do more things I loved them but weirdly enough I would say the first Britpop song I heard was uh, Oasis was uh, Rock and Roll Star right I think Rodney uh, on the Rock played it he was the first one out here to play like any Britpop stuff and he would I remember he would have this woman calling in from England and she would do the Britpop like sort of report every right. week you know of, like whatever singles came out that week and who you who you should be paying attention to um, and so the first one I heard was Oasis, and I just fell in love with it. But then I heard Blur and was like, oh, this is like, this is more like Kinks yeah. stuff that's like sort of smarter as well. But I just loved the Oasis because it was my first love. What What would your guys' favorite Blur song be, would you say? What was my, my favorite Blur song? My yeah. name is Blur, and I'm here to say. <laughs> yeah, it's a good song. That's a, oh, what is my favorite Blur song? That's a tough one. I, um, that is a tough one. What is my favorite Blur song? I mean, I like too many of them. Um, well, there's one on the Baby Driver soundtrack, Intermission, yep. which Intermission, is from yeah. Modern Life is Rubbish, which is an mm. instrumental. What's your favorite Blur album? I like um, 
I mean, Park Life is a classic. It's, cl- album. it's and front the other back. really good one is Blur, which mm-hmm. is from 1997. Yeah, it's when Park they started Life. sounding like uh, pavement. Is Park Life the one with Country House on it, or no? That's no, the Great Escape. That's the Great Escape. That's a great album. Mm-hmm. The one that really—it's right there in the title. Sure is. I think the really the three really great ones are Modern Life is Rubbish, Park Life, and Blur. Mm-hmm. I've never been able to get into Modern Life is Rubbish as much. I oh, have to I say. Like that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. one of those ones that like. Is that the first one you heard? Or no, because they had a top ten single like "There's No Other Way," which was, was off, the first time was like yeah. a top ten hit, right? They, with their debut single, which is quite extraordinary. Yeah, but that album's not doesn't the really album's hold not up. so good. No. Yeah, yeah. What about your favorite Oasis song, guys? Man, I love that first record so much. Yeah, I like the, I like some of the ones from the first record. I like like Shaker Maker and stuff. I really I uh, and live forever roll with it. I live I love, forever's I love the B sides. I don't know. I'm, I got to say, look back in anger. Oh, you know what? That one I actually actively do not like. Mm. Yeah. Don't Why? Because it's too, like, beetle It just sort of gets – I think it was one of those songs that became so ubiquitous, and uh, I just – that song drives me slightly bonkers. Let's, I really don't what about, what about Roll With It? Roll oh, With no, It. Roll I don't like that one either. Oh, so that was, the one where, that was the one where Blur and Oasis went head-to-head yes. the same week. And Blur won, and Blur though. Blur won. It was but Country House what... versus Oasis. But I mean, it's a Country House versus Roll With It, but – to be fair, neither of their best songs. Yeah. I like, like Roll With It. Country House is not one of Blur's best. But that's when uh, Oasis broke in America and yeah. got huge here, but Blur kind of never did, right? But Blur also kept on. I think the thing that Blur did that was smart is that they started diversifying their sound. Yeah. And in fact, even their last album that they brought out. This is Roll With It. Yeah. Oh, this is, yeah. You don't like I, it. I love this. People would, there was a band, do you know the band Status Quo? Yeah. So people would call them, people who would like denigrate Oasis would call them Quo Oasis. Oh, because they. This sounds like Status Quo. Oh, interesting. So there were actually huh. t shirts that would say Quo Oasis. I like Some Might Say. would wear to antagonize Oasis. Wow. Let's hear Some Might Say. <laughs> wow. This is a good one. Yeah, that last Blur record with that, that like 12 minute. That's my probably my favorite Blur song is that big long. What is that song called? Are you talking about your penis? Yeah, <laughs> not the, the not the last Blur record, but the last one in the nineties. What was that song called? Not the one that Fatboy Slim. Tender? Oh, Tender yeah. is great. That's from I want to say that's from thirteen. Is that that's from yes. thirteen? Yeah, yeah. Tender is two t- albums after that. I would say Tender. First of all, Tender is one of the only Blur songs that Kulop likes. She loves that song and does not like Blur. Uh, that's a classic yeah. song. Great. I said first of all, but that's all I have. The recent Blur album, The Magic Whip, <laughs> the one they brought out like three years ago. I like that one really a lot. Really good. Yeah, yeah. We, we both were at that show, I were know, we not? Amazing. Yes, uh, good Hollywood, show. Hollywood Bowl. All right, let's get to the Man on the Moon <laughs> soundtrack. Uh, it really feels like you're holding off from talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> have you listened to it? I mean, I saw the movie. I've never listened to the album in isolation. Well, Scott and I were talking, and he was like, should we do Man on the Moon soundtrack is like an album. And we both said, yeah. Episode. Yeah, of course. And then today I sat down and we listened to We both listened to it. to it over the last couple like, of days. Oh, boy. <laughs> this isn't really an, this is it's, not an by album. By the way, okay, let's, let's, let's do some stats on it before we get to it. November 23, 1999 is when it comes out, which was probably a week before the, the movie came out. So the, the fall, almost winter of 99, where are we uh, in 1999? Adam? 
What are you Gosh, doing in your life? That's an interesting. Why don't you go first so I can re- try and think of it and remember? Okay, what so uh, Kulop and I started dating in May of that year. Yes, and uh, uh, I, the the one thing that I can kind of remember from this time period is we went to the Emmys about a month before uh, my first nomination. Oh, um, and we wow! So you were nominated for <clears throat> an Emmy in the twentieth century. I was, strangely enough, and three in the 21st. Yeah. Um, but so we went to the Emmys and it was like- Murphy Brown. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> you guys know I play Murphy Brown. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, <laughs> when do we get Murphy White? Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, come on, guys. Um, so, <laughs> so no, I had been nominated and it was, I have to say, as a person dating someone, it was a very like- cool sort of like, oh, hey, yeah. let's go to the Emmys. Sure. And Kulop went and got a dress made for her. Wow. Uh, and it was a it was a, a very, like, except we took pictures. It was a very exciting time. And that was about a month before this. And that's all I really remember from that time period. I don't even know what I was working on at the time. Adam? Uh, I was, I think I was still doing some Party of Five Episodes. Mm-hmm. I was hoping they retitle it "Party of Six to incorporate <laughs> your right. character. <laughs> That's right. Um, and around that time, REM came and did "Party of Five. I think I talked about yes. this on a previous episode. What song did they do? Uh, at my or most they just beautiful. acted in it. <laughs> they did at my most beautiful. And I was so I was doing a recurring role on "Party of Five. And I heard on the internet that REM was going to come do "Party of Five. So I freaked out called the line producer myself, someone I did not know, just to make sure I could come in the day Even if you weren't shooting that day, like you want to be there. And they were like, yeah, who gives a shit? (laughs) You fucking weirdo. Yeah, so they came and played a, they played the, shot the scene where they played At My Most Beautiful. This is, by the way, how desperate they are for a hit. Well, that was the thing. As a fan at the time, I was so excited because I was going to get to be there and stuff. But then also, in the back of my head thinking, wait, R.E.M.'s going to come be on Party of Five? Mm-hmm. Like, Although Party of Five was like it considered, was it was a big show at the time. But at the same time, I was, whatever. you're like, yeah. yeah. But it was actually fine. They did R.E.M.'s the playing this show that I can just call the line producer and ask <laughs> if I could show up that day? But then after we, they shot the scene, they came out and played. Why are a, you shouting? A full, am I shouting? <laughs> They played a full show. <laughs> um, they You're played, really playing to the back of the house. They played uh, for like an hour and a half for the for the the crew for and whoever was around. It was Nev Campbell, me, <laughs> and one other person. What song? Do you remember? Did they play like a typical REM show or new songs or what did they play? Yeah, they were like warm. They were about to go to Europe or something, so they played. It was like a mix of stuff. It was cool. And were you standing next to Nev Campbell watching them play, and you turned to her and said, "I called the line producer to make sure I could come." <laughs> yep, I do remember at the beginning because it was at the what the, used to be the Palace and is now. Remember the, that place? Yeah, or, no, I used to go to the palace all the time. It's called the. It was called the Avalon for a while. Avalon, but now, yeah. So everyone was getting there. It was about an hour before they started playing. Everyone was kind of uh, wandering in, and 
and at the we whole know how front, people go to things. Yeah, the, yeah. the whole front <laughs> in front of the stage was empty because people were just hanging out in the back. And I went and stood right up at the ah. front because I didn't want to. You lose didn't want to lose the spot. Great. And Naomi like walked over from where everyone was. She's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> you fucking weirdo!" Because I was by myself, just standing there. And she goes. What are you doing? By the way, this is a work environment for yes. you that you're acting oh, like yeah, a weirdo it's, creep. It's, it's really embarrassing. And, and and I was like, I just don't want to. I want to be able to just be here in the very front for when REM How comes did out. she marry you? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so did you go backwards or did you? were you like, no, I'm staying? I think I stayed. But eventually people started coming. And, and then the show started and it was like crowded up there. So I was glad right. I did it. So you were glad. Yeah. yeah. Was it a good but show? Very, very embarrassing. Uh, in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, all of life is. Yes. Well, I mean, really, when we tell these stories, I it's would- It's all embarrassing. I would say everything up to yesterday for me <laughs> would be if I told any story about my life, I would be embarrassed by it. I, yeah, there's like three things yesterday that were super embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. Um, Edgar, what, what where, month, where- What month of the year is this? November 23, 1999. You've moved to London in 94-ish, 5-ish. Finkel. Uh, space had just been on TV. Oh, wow. wow. It came out September 1999. Really? Like so this is an exciting time for you. I was 25, and Space was the first season had started in September. And I want to say, um, I'd been in L.A. that summer, actually. I went hmm. on holiday after I finished doing Space before it came out and came to L.A. because I specifically remember being in L.A. the during the opening weekend of The Sixth Sense. <laughs> and I saw oh. it at the Beverly Connection. So I remember, oh, it's obviously I was in L.A. August 1999, for yeah. sure. Oh, my God, the <laughs> Beverly Connection. Cool. I used to go see movies there. Yeah. Cool Up and I time. saw this. We didn't see it at the Beverly Connection. We saw it at, where did we see Oh, I think we must have seen it in Burbank. But um, we saw that movie together, and this is pre her telling me she hates scary movies. Oh. So I would say, hey, let's go see The Sixth Sense. And she'd be like, okay, because she just wanted to go out. And then sitting there tortured by a scary movie until about a year into our relationship, she, she said, I hate scary movies. I mean, one of our first times we hung out was seeing Blade, and she was like terrified the entire time. <laughs> so she hates it now. So now it's so much easier. I just like, we saw Hereditary last week, uh, Edgar, and, and I just, she's like, what are you going to see tonight? I said, you don't want to see it. She goes, thank you. <laughs> she wouldn't have enjoyed that. No, she would not have enjoyed that. Um, did you guys guess in the Sixth Sense twist when you first saw it? I did not. It? It was, I, did. I, I did. I did too. I didn't. I was. I saw opening weekend, and I I did not know it was coming. And I, I thought it was fantastic. By the yeah. way, Haley Joel Osment, uh, big fan of this show. He sent me some pictures. He's of, awesome. Of him listening to it. Oh, really? <laughs> the other day, he sent me two pictures: him uh, listening to Document, yeah. and then him reading the Bible. Did we talk about the Bible or something? I don't know. <laughs> I think so because they were both together in one text message. That's awesome. It was pretty funny. Okay, so you, so you, space came out. Do you remember going to see the Man on the Moon, Edgar? Yeah, I don't think the Man on the Moon came out in the UK until two thousand. Really? Because back in those days, especially with a movie like this, an awardsy movie, it would of also take a of while. niche appeal in the UK because people in the UK don't really know who Andy Kaufman is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did um, they know who Jim Carrey was? Yes, they okay. knew who Jim Carrey was. All right, so you're not completely fucking stupid. No, but definitely, <laughs> like Andy Kaufman was not a thing in the UK. Right. Only like sort of real like comedy nerds. Did you ever watch Taxi? Did you? Was that yes, something? Taxi okay. was a thing. Okay. And in fact, actually, I remember some like uh, fellow. Some comedians would be obsessed with him. Like I remember Matt Lucas and Graham Linehan would be obsessed with Andy Kaufman. Great comedians. And would have that um, – what's that special that he – it was like some variety special that he did. Yeah, yeah. Cindy Williams in it. Yeah. Like 
I mean, I definitely saw that. Was he up up high on the the big the, tall the thing? talk show desk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I'd seen that. Okay, but so, I think I saw that in two thousand. Okay, so that said, the Great Beyond. Yes. Was a massive hit in the UK. I think it's the REM's highest charting single in the it UK. It might be. It is. It's yeah. their biggest Interesting. hit. And it yeah. was not a hit, like, at all over here. Although, it, it? I, well, let's get, when we get to it, we'll talk a little bit more about it. Let's get to the soundtrack. This soundtrack, by the way, is only 37 minutes. It's just shy of 37 minutes, which even for a sound – I mean, soundtracks used to be, like, the Ghostbusters soundtrack we mentioned is probably under 40 minutes. Yeah. But for 1999, pretty skimpy, I got to say. Who plays young Andy Kaufman in the very first scene? Uh, I have no idea. Who? Michael Sarah. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. I just watched it today. Yeah. You watched the movie? Very, I, I watched, like, the Andy. first 45 minutes today. Isn't That's there that thing Michael where he's Cera? jumping on yeah, the bed? Yeah, yeah, That's, That's Michael Sarah. Yeah. Were Holy you going shit. back and forth from that in City Slickers? Or? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, you, it, the weird thing is you would think for a period movie like this, there would be There'd way be a more ton music. Of, yeah, okay. Well, let's, let's start it. This is the first song. This is the, by the way, the first single from the record. Uh, this is the Mighty Mouse theme um, <laughs> Welcome back to by the Sandpipers. Now as a special treat on our first show, musical guest Andy Kaufman. Just to be clear, R.E.M. didn't do this. This is not R.E.M. This is the Sandpipers. So this is basically a recreation of uh, his famous thing from the first episode of SNL. I think that was Richard Belzer introducing himself when it was actually George Carlin in the original. Because Richard Belzer was the George Carlin of 1999, (laughs) I think. So this this wasn't George Carlin the George Carlin in 1999. This film <laughs> yes, takes he was. <laughs> I think he was playing Detective Munch. I think I just saw him in Vegas around 1999. Did you? How was he? Great. Um, I don't know whether this is. Well, this is the Sandpipers. Either way, sure is. Let's go to track two. This is the REM. This is the aforementioned The Great Beyond. This was a big hit in England. And in my opinion, when I heard it, it's like the last great REM single as far as I knew. This is like the last one that I heard. Uh-huh. Uh, this is The Great Beyond. fall silent from your eyes All the sights that I have seen I can't Uh-huh. 
So, Adam, as the REM superfan, you must be excited when this record comes out. What'd yeah. You, what did you think of the single? Uh, I liked it. It was. It's never been a favorite of mine. Really? Yeah. I. I. Do you get scared when he talks about the piano falling? And, <laughs> yeah. It's frightening. It is. Um, I don't know. It's beyond catchy, and it deserves to be a hit. It's so so. Things don't so deserve catchy. anything. Like when you really figure that out about life, about how there's no justice and terrible things happen for no reason. Like I think you'll be happier. No, you're right. But for the, for the time being, I'm just gonna. There's no apply look. justice to inanimate <laughs> okay. objects. Okay. I mean, this isn't an inanimate object. Well, These are literally just vibrations. But I'm, just, I'm just thinking that about exist the instruments in the that create. All right. We're. Stuff. I don't know why we're fighting. Um, yeah, it, I think it's catchy and and sh- and should be a hit, but it was never one of my favorites. I think it's maybe because it's like a little more produced than I than my favorite REM stuff. There's a lot of uh, I noticed when we've played. Oh, here's the strings, by the way. These sound great. When we play, when it started, I was like, "This is a very full sound." Yeah. Um, I liked it when it came out. I I had you know not been continuing on the REM journey with them. In quite a number of years, but when I heard this, I was like, "Oh wow, this is actually a this." And this song I put on mixtapes and stuff. So this was was a song that I really liked. I liked it live uh, more than mm-hmm. anyway. What about and, you, Edgar? What do you think? Yeah, I liked it. I think I, a similar thing is I'd um, like I said I hadn't bought one of the albums since Monster, so I was only really the, sort of following. That's too frightening. The single. Say, say the scary one. The can't scary. Say, you oh, Monster is the scary. Yeah, you can't say God. Monster. Please don't say that. Please don't say that. Say I. I, I, I dropped out around the time of the scary one. Thank you. The Scottish play. Um, and, um, I'll say that all day long. Macbeth, <laughs> Macbeth, Macbeth. No. I don't Whoa, give a shit. Oh, God. A, no. a piano <laughs> fell on Adam. <laughs> um, but I like this. I remember that it had a good video. Yeah. Like, um, isn't there video, like, yeah. stipe kind of with various, like, sort of uh, physical gags going on around Yes, him? and also, by the way, Jim Carrey did not appear in the video, and he says in that documentary that that was his biggest regret ah. about the experience. But by the time they filmed the video, he never wanted to portray Andy Kaufman again. He was right. out of it at that point and mm-hmm. was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, you know, in that actory way where he's like, I can't be this person anymore. I can't inhabit this person's skin anymore yeah. or something like that. Um, but I, I will say that it made me buy this record, and I, uh, I you really, bought this album back I, then. Yeah, I bought this. Is yeah, I bought this. Yeah, Whoa. like you didn't buy Up or No, I bought this. Though. Accelerate. Yeah, but you bought this. I like soundtracks too. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the next track. Let's try to breeze through these. This is uh, Exile. Kiss you all over. <clears throat> That's kind of a big day. Well, they so put they're dialogue. Everything. They're putting dialogue over, and this is the only. This is my only copy of this great song, and it has all this terrible dialogue over it. Can I ask a dumb question? (laughs) Did R.E.M. do all this music as well? This is by the band Exile, but they did the score. Yes. Oh, right, right. Oh, this is a different song by Yeah. This is a track from the 70s. But this can't be the entire score. No, it can't. That's the thing. Like, if R.E.M.'s doing the score, put out a whole score record. But they, they only give, like, what, four tracks or something like that? And they're, like, a minute and a half long. Yeah, it's fucking... This is a, the biggest really rip-off weird. album. Also, there's never... 
No one is ever on the moon in this record. <laughs> Not one person goes on to a, a moon. I have to say about Man on or uh, The Great Beyond, I would imagine the writing assignment of that is very difficult of like, hey, write another song about Andy Kaufman. Yeah. You know, and it is uh, shitty that they were not nominated for a Golden Globe or an Oscar for just Man on the Moon. No, for Great Beyond. For no, but I think they should have been nominated for Man on the Moon. This is another point. Like every time <laughs> songs get nominated for Oscars, yes, right? It's always like Coldplay's shittiest song, like the one they or U2's shittiest song, the one they wrote for a film, or right? Sam it's not Smith, a single. One of the worst Bond themes. Yeah, you know what I mean. And <laughs> they wins it's, an Oscar, and it's and they win the Oscar. Let's just give the Oscar to the best song that year. It, I don't care if it's in a movie. <laughs> but that song was from like seven years before the movie. But you know right? what I mean? Like, let, give it to Kanye West, you know, better, faster, stronger that year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the song of the summer. Just give it, give the Oscar to that. I don't care if it's in a movie or not. So sure. You're saying last a, year the Oscar should have gone to Despacito. Yes. Give it to Despacito <laughs> instead of whatever the fuck award. won. No, like the song from Coco won. Yeah. I guarantee you we're going to be singing Despacito for decades longer well, than we're singing the song I, from Coco. Coco. Anyway, this song's the jam. Do you like this song? Did you know it or do you? No, I don't know this one. This is a great, I, I remember it from growing up from the 70s. This is a really good one. All right, let's go to the next track. This is the you theme. You would think that, oh yeah, well I was, gonna, I was just about to say is the theme from Taxi on theme here? Theme from Taxi, oh, yes. But this is great. Oh yeah, this is amazing. One of the most oh, melancholic yeah. themes of any television show. Like, you would think that it's like, hey, we got this really funny comedy show. Turn in your theme song. Yeah. You think it would be like, taxi. Instead, it's like this. These opening credits were great, too. Yeah. This is a classic 5 a.m. music. Puts yeah. you in the world of just like driving around trying to pick people up. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Which is something I do on the weekends. But it also has dialogue at the end of it. On the taxi theme? Yeah. Oh. How can you talk over the taxi thing? They did it. It's called Angela. Oh. Which I've always wondered was who's the boss, the character Angela, named Angela because of this song? No, this song is written about that character. It is? Yeah. Angela. Angela. (laughs) Angela. You want to try? (laughs) Who am I doing an impression of? Tony Danza saying Angela. Angela. (laughs) That's pretty (laughs) good. Better than either of ours. The best one. I don't like to use a phone. Yeah, here's the dialogue. Not on the loss. How about a bathroom? I may have shit my pants. <laughs> That's Jim Carrey doing Tony Clifton. All right, let's go to the next track. This is... Uh, I like the Tony Clifton scenes in this movie a lot. Yeah. This is the first piece of score. And this is R.E.M. wrote this. This is R.E.M.? It's an orchestra playing it, but R.E.M. wrote it. Huh? It's called Tony Thrown Out. What do we think about this? <laughs> is this your favorite REM song? Yes, this is. Has anybody put this one in their top ten so far? <laughs> Tony thrown out, guys. <laughs> All right, this is the next track, of course, the classic. And why would this uh, be track number six? Start of side two? Uh, no, but deep end in, of side one. I don't even think end, but... To, to your point, I think R.E.M., like, this should have just been the theme of the the movie, but R.E.M. wanted to go for the Oscar and write a new one, right? But I did a great job. 
They this is, this song is in the movie quite a bit actually. Yeah, they have an orchestral version of it a little later. This is uh, perform. The next song is performed by Michael Stipe and Jim Carrey. This is a duet between them. I don't think it's in the movie, but let's hear a little Hi, bit Andy, of it. Thanks for joining us. Do you wanna you wanna sing a song together? Sure. Is it a sweet song? Yeah, it's real sweet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> issue with this movie too is not to completely rag on this movie because they they tried yeah they they did and i've made shitty things me too i pooped yesterday that was one of them (laughs) i don't know if i would classify the movie as shitty it's just it's a misfire yeah a little disappointing did jim carrey get nominated for an oscar he didn't did he i don't think he did no I kind of don't think his... I think his Clifton is great. Mm. I don't think his Kaufman is very good. Really? Like, I, I I was really impressed watching He it looks today. like him. I just don't think his... Like, they, this whole part of it... But they, they also... Don't think, they don't... It's, they don't support his, his impression with a kind of interior life or a real yeah. character. It's just sort of... Uh, yeah. A, like you said, a, kind of a... An amalgamation of bits. Uh, like, uh, you know that scene in Lethal Weapon where Mel Gibson <laughs> is like, he's there in his uh, uh, trailer uh, down on the beach and he's like, got that gun. Yeah, and he's they, like, there's nothing Whoa! like that. There's nothing like that. Just throw that scene in there. <laughs> All right, so this is, that's a duet. I like that. I mean, I, I think that this does no harm in the world. No, it's a delightful song. Okay, so this is uh, Mike Mills uh, performing this one. Uh, written by the REM guys. It's called Miracle. This is nice. Sure. Yeah, it's it is. I, I don't know when in the movie this is. Well, a miracle is happening, so I, I would imagine water is being turned into wine, or a dead body is being someone's walking on water. Yeah, maybe. possibly. But I don't remember the movie that much. But maybe it's when he's going in for treatment. This is when he's actually on the moon. <laughs> he's on the moon. <laughs> he's walking it's around a miracle on the moon. There's no gravity. They're like, we can't Sandra call this Bullock is movie there. gravity, obviously, because there's none of it. This is nice. I like this. The next song on the record is called Lynn and Andy, which is Lynn is Andy Kaufman's wife, played by Courtney Like. Hey, why I laugh so hard at that. <laughs> Do I want to go to Memphis and get married? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why Memphis? Because Memphis is the wrestling capital of the world. <laughs> I'll get up in the ring and I'll announce that I'll marry the first woman who beats me. Then you can get up and we'll wrestle and I'll let you win. You'll let me win. I'll let you win. <laughs> I think REM should look into putting out a score record of this. Like, you know, like now I don't that know they're why retired. They didn't. 
like without the dialogue over it. But now that they're retired, they're looking, they're probably looking, I mean, they put out that unplugged record. They're probably looking for like records to put out to, you know, like put out a score record to this. There's got to be more. Sure, it would be a huge seller. (laughs) (laughs) It would for two guys here. We'd have to buy it and review it. Okay, this is, this is uh, uh, actually Andy Kaufman singing Rosemary. I think this is on The Letterman Show. I'm not sure. Kaufman, he would go on the Letterman show and just sing an old song unironically. Yeah. You know, and that would be his performance. Love it. Uh, this is Andy Gets Fired. So Tony's thrown out earlier, and this is Andy Gets Fired. Fired from Taxi? Maybe. What else would he have been fired from? Heart beeps? <laughs> <laughs> Did he get fired from Taxi? Or did he... I can't remember. He might have been. I think he was, wasn't he? Yeah, he probably was. Like, they just were like, enough of your shit. We... Like, anyone can drive a taxi. (laughs) But he was only on half... That was his original deal. He only has to be on half the episodes, and Tony (laughs) Clifton gets to be on... Get four guest spots. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure I've seen the Tony Clifton episodes of Taxi. Me neither. Uh, Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember it. All right. This is I Will Survive, the classic disco track performed by Tony Clifton in the film. Ah. First, I was afraid. (laughs) I was putrefying. Jim Carrey has Tony. Now, in the movie, sometimes it's Paul Giamatti, right? Maybe, yeah. Because he's playing Zamuda. There's a story in the documentary about how they called up the Playboy Mansion when there's a big party. Yeah. And they said, Jim wants to come to the party, but he wants to dress as this character he's doing, Tony Clifton. And so Tony Clifton comes to the party and is just like an asshole. And they're all like, it's Jim Carrey. They're like, it's cool. Yeah, let him be. Let him be. He's throwing drinks on people. He's insulting Hugh Hefner and everyone. And then after an hour of that, suddenly Jim Carrey arrives at the party. Oh. <laughs> and there was that, who was that? I Giamatti think, or I think Bob that Zemuda? was Bob Zamuda. It was probably Zamuda, yeah. <laughs> By the way, this version, better than R.E.M.'s version that we played on one of our last <laughs> episodes. R.E.M. covered this song as well? Yes, for a fan club release. Ah. Not that great. All right, this it is... sounded like they were maybe going through it for the first time ever. <laughs> Or they were preparing to go through yeah, it for yeah, the first yeah. time ever. Uh, this is Milk and Cookies. Good boys and girls, I would like to take everybody in this entire audience out for Milk and Cookies. There are buses outside. Everybody, follow me. Don't worry, folks. There's enough Milk and Cookies for This must have been fun for them to like write for an orchestra. Yeah. You, I mean, you don't write music, right, Edgar? No. You're a you're an appreciator. Yes. Um, but I love when you record the score. It's always an amazing thing to go and sit there. What do you do when you? Yeah. What do you do when you go? I, I just go there and I usually, you watch. I just watch. Usually, like anything, you, anything that you notes you have, you've given before, like mm-hmm. 
with the demo versions. You know the guy who's like waving around the stick? The conductor. Does that do anything? Like I always <laughs> see that guy and I'm always like, they could just play it. They don't need that guy. <laughs> and yet he gets this special bow at the beginning and everyone's like, oh, what an amazing guy waving his dumb stick around. You know what those sticks actually are? What? It's, uh, it's a piece of uncooked spaghetti. <laughs> really? <laughs> Al dente? Yep. Al dente. It, but that must be thrilling to have, like, how? what's the biggest number of uh, pieces of an orchestra that have played for one of your films? I think on, like, uh, How Fuzz we had a full orchestra. David Allen did the score for that. And then on um, Baby Driver, we recorded some of the score at Abbey Road, which was exciting. Mm, wow. Yeah. Did Paul McCartney ever drop by and go, oh, what are you guys up to in here? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you may remember me. I'm the beetle with a mullet. <laughs> did you did you go and crush? You know how they have they they have a, a camera yeah. now permanently. Oh, because yes. so many people were like injuring yeah. themselves trying to take pictures in the middle yeah. of the road. Well, there's like a live camera where you can see people try and take that Abbey Road show every right. thirty oh, seconds, and you can go to a computer and get the picture of you crossing the street like later yeah. that day. Yeah, right. so because I've they wanted myself. to get people out of the street. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I I want when Kulab and I were there, we were like, should we go to Abbey Road? And it was kind of out of the way where we were. We were like in the middle of London, so we were like. Nah, not probably not worth the hour it'll take to it get is. there. I did. Is it once. really? Yeah. Did you record anything while you were there? Yeah, I recorded a couple tracks. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, this is Man on the Moon orchestral version. Coming up. I like at, this. Yeah. Well, you like the original song. Yeah. I love the original song. So you would think that I would like this. <laughs> To me, it doesn't stack up quite to Beethoven's best work. <laughs> um, all right, one last song. This is the actual Andy Kaufman. I hope to see you again soon, and I love you, and thank you very much. Now, till we meet again. Well, it's time to say Goodbye. Wait, the Mighty Mouse theme was a single from... <laughs> yeah, can you believe it? I don't think that's... That can't be true. Released in 1999. Maybe it was a promo single, but it says it's a single. How weird. <clears throat> so... Was it a single in its own right originally, like in the 50s? Probably. Maybe, yeah. I think it was popular, too. I remember that being my first exposure to Annie Kaufman. Was oh, yeah. On SNL when I yeah. was little and just loving it. Um, so what do we think of this soundtrack, guys? Better than Baby Driver? <laughs> I wish it was, uh, it was longer. more substantial, yeah. I, I had one of my patented long car trips to Santa Monica the other day. And listeners out there are wondering, why are you going to Santa Monica and so Also, much? how did you get a, a patent on a car trip? <laughs> <laughs> Look, you apply for these things. I didn't think I'd, you know, LegalZoom.com, honestly. But, um... And I was like, "Oh, okay. I'll listen to f- I'll listen to uh, you know most of it on my way there, and the rest on my way back." No, it, it was, was over it way was before I ever got done. There. By the time you're out of your driveway, <laughs> Adam, Just that's kidding. funny. <laughs> All right, so um, so it's not my favorite soundtrack. All right, but let's move on. So, your, would you say it's your favorite REM album? <laughs> Probably. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, number one with a bullet. Of course. Speaking of favorites and REM things. Edgar, we hyped it uh, before. You have graciously compiled your top 10 REM tracks of all time. 
uh, when we were talking over the last couple of days, you were like, oh, I'll try to see if I can do it. And then it became a daunting task for you. Well, it was great because I got to, so I just uh, listened to all the ones that I liked again. And mm-hmm. I got it down to like, initially got it down to 19, and then I got it down to 10. But I did mean I had to like throw out. Did you, you didn't do any ties. That's cheating. Well, the thing is, I originally had like 11. And then I realized that one, I only realized when I looked at it, it was a cover version. I did not realize oh. that Superman is a cover uh, version. Yes, yeah. yes, I but that's fine. That. But I mean, to you, it was the original as it was to me. Well, if I wanted to get 11 down to 10, I could get rid of Superman. But it was such an obscure to... song that it doesn't, it no. may as well be. I've original. never heard the original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's on one of the Nuggets box sets, maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe not. I, I also, in doing this top 10, I had to throw out a bunch of the big ones. Mm-hmm. So, gone. Man on the Moon. And this is not because I don't like them. It's almost, like, too obvious. Man on the Moon, Losing My Religion. Uh, there's nothing from, nothing from Out of Time, actually, on there. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the other ones I had to get rid of? Like, um, Can't Get There From Here. Anything mm. from the post-Berry years. Post-Bill Berry years. No. He, he left. He left uh, in 98 From the scary one, right? Uh, after the scary one. After the New Adventures in Hi-Fi was the No, I, I actually... And this is why I need Thank to listen you, to the rest of the podcast is I need to, you know, revisit. What, what would you say if I listened to like the ones post Berry? I think don't albums? don't listen to the albums, listen to us talking over <laughs> the albums. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> um New Adventures in Hi Fi is uh, I think we agree that that's well, the post one of their best. Bill oh post Barry, I don't even know because I've only yeah. listened to one of them at this point. Uh I would say Although, the I, last two accelerate, accelerate and collapse yeah. into now and the first one up. But don't spoil yeah, it. I, I don't, we're going to talk about it real soon. Don't, don't yeah. spoil it. Okay, so Here's let's. Thing, so, my top 10, this is going to be really annoying. Okay, that's I, fine. I, is it okay if they're in chronological order? Oh, sure. Yeah. Because I couldn't. Because you couldn't rank, rank them. them. Okay, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. that's easier for me to find them. Okay, so what, what's uh, number 10? Oh, 10. Oh, we're going. Oh, so we're going. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, we're no, just. We're gonna, no, we're gonna, we're gonna, yeah, I know, but we're going to pretend that you're doing them. Okay, so number 10. <laughs> well, Radio Free Europe. Radio I mean, Free Europe. I, I tried very hard to not make this exactly like the track listing of Eponymous. Right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> is it which version do you like? Do you know there's two different versions? I like the I the like one the on Eponymous. Re- yeah, the re-recorded one. I mean, the, you do. The, yeah, the demo one's good too, but I like this one. Wait, this is the original. This is, is the one on Eponymous. Oh, yeah, this isn't the demo though. Demo is faster this, than this. Well, this, this is the original the single. Yeah, this there's is the, the the original single. Then there's the album version. The original single was on Eponymous, and then the hit version oh, yeah. in the U.S. was the album version. Play, oh, right. Play the it Murmur wasn't... one and just... I like this one, though. Yeah. It's, like, faster. Uh, yeah, the... This is the album version. Oh, my God. That must have been an exciting day when they found that keyboard. Oh, yeah. Hey, let's put this on. Guys, come here. <laughs> hey! Oh, yeah. I like this one, actually. I like both. I go back and forth. They're both so good. It's quite different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, different, almost different key, or maybe yeah. they did that Verispeed thing where they sped one of them up or something. Okay, what's uh, track quote nine, unquote? Don't go back to Rockville. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Don't go back to Rockville. What a great song. What a great one. 
Did, did, I love these early ones. It's difficult to sing along to because you can't understand what the Yeah, fuck you just saying. mumble. <laughs> yeah, just go. Well, we've talked about it on the show where I, like we've thought the lyrics were the lyrics, and then I love this song so much. This is a great song. Okay, what is number eight? Uh, okay, I, yeah, number eight is um, Begin the Begin. Oh. oh, yeah. Begin the Begin. Fantastic. If I, I mean, I th- in fact, Life's Rich Pageant might be my favorite R.E.M. album. We're going to get to our favorite uh, albums towards ah. towards the end of... This is incredible. This is incredible. I know. I, 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 <laughs> I love this. If you're doing the drinking game, every time Adam says something is incredible. Oh, <laughs> okay, what is, what's your next one? Well, it's... I think this is the perfect one to punch to start an album on Life Switch Pageant. So number two is These yeah. Days. These Days. These, these two in a row are fantastic. It's such a great opener for this mm-hmm. album. That's great. I remember they used to, like, uh, on British TV, they used to have Formula, well, Formula One racing. And they'd, right. always, like, some, they'd always be some sort of cool cat who would put, like, the sort of the... Uh, some... Uh, great guitar track at the end and one day I was watching Formula 1 and somebody put these days at the end of it and I was like yes fuck yes cool. I like racing now <laughs> I did like racing anyway but it was, oh, it was like I was like who's this who's this hipster who's kind of putting this on the end of that's the that's awesome alright what's your next one well this is a, this is this is gonna be on I predict, on nobody else's top 10 and I put this in for sentimental reasons yep underneath the bunker <laughs> from oh cool Life's that's Rich great Project. that's cool ah now the reason this has sentimental value to me it's because one of my early like, amateur films that I made when I was like 18, uh, a film called Dead Right, which is actually on the Hot Fuzz Blu-ray. Oh, cool. This was the end credits music. Oh. Is it on the... No, we yeah. couldn't clear it. <laughs> By the way, rather we didn't bother to clear it. This song is the reason that I put Tricycle on my new adventures yeah. in hi-fi trying to sort of emulate this feeling of like a little bit of levity at the end yeah. of a side. Like you know I mean? Also, it feels like this is one of... Um, Michael Stipe's bullhorn like vocals as well. Oh yeah. When he finally starts singing. Yeah. It's definitely through like a loud hailer. He was one of the first people to do the bullhorn thing, which has been perfected by Bono. <laughs> well, I remember vividly their first ever appearance on Top of the Pops REM, which I think was for Orange Crush. Mm-hmm. Um Michael Stipe. You know that that period when they were like with Warner Brothers where it felt like they're actively like a like uncomfortable with fame right like a lot of the songs like, oh are god we're and famous like yeah. out, out of time mm-hmm. and they did a particularly kind of contrary appearance at the top of the pops where he had sunglasses on and he was singing through a bullhorn for the whole of orange crush oh, so wow. it was their first ever appearance on the show and yet you know he was particularly like enigmatic does that work when you're like basically saying fuck you to to something like that does do people look at that and go oh that's fucking cool i think i, just, I remember it that's the important thing i should start doing that i think more. in 1988 Oops, I'm playing Flowers of Guatemala. Okay, that's what, not on my top that's not, Okay, so what's your next one? Let's And you can talk about 1988. Well, Superman's we... out, so that's not part of my top okay. ten anymore. Okay. So the next one, if we're going to call it shorter, would be the one I love. Okay. Yeah. Now, Adam, go ahead and talk about I was just saying that the I probably thought it was real because I remember they were on Arsenio Hall, and they did kind of a similar... He did kind of a similar thing where he just kind of stood there like, Mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed to be on this show. (laughs) And I thought it was amazing. All right, Edgar, what's your next one? The End of the World as We Know It. I know it's obvious, but it is an amazing song. It's like the cool indie version of We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. (laughs) It's so good. Do you think Billy Joel kind of ripped it off? Where do you fall on this? 
Not to do an REM pun, fall on me, I get it. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha, ha, I'm really funny. No, but where where do you fall on the... Nick Frost would always do this joke about um, We Didn't Start the Fire, where he would just sing, you know the bit, they do it in this way, like the music drops out and then he sings one part of the lyric, and then We Didn't Start the Fire, Billy Joe goes, Children of the Little Mind. (laughs) (laughs) So Nick Frost would frequently just sing that bit alone and just just never goes, Children of the Little Mind. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to do... I don't think he ripped it off. I wanted to do a performance where, kind of Kaufman-esque, where I just played the song and then then only did the lettered Bernstein part. There's also in the UK, oh, yeah, this is this would mean absolutely nothing for uh-huh. any, like, British listeners. Another song in the same vein as this that would, my friend would always run these two things together into it, We Didn't Start the Fire, but mm-hmm. the British sitcom Only Fools and Horses has this theme tune. Only what? Only Fools and Horses. For, like fours? Fools. 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 Oh, fools. Oh, okay. Only Fools and Horses. Okay. Very long-running sitcom. would have this very memorable um, like title theme, which sounds not dissimilar to We Didn't Start the Fire. Really? And I think like uh, somebody, who was, I think Matt Lucas used to do that. He used to sing... Only, only fools and horses, and then go into we didn't start the fire. And it was in England, when you say fools like that, do people get it? Only like fools and horses? No, Maybe but it's you know what I mean. Addiction. Oh, I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> okay, what's your next one? How? Where are we right now? Do we have more? Mm, right yeah, we have three more. Okay, stand. Oh, I don't have that on my iPod. Sorry. Oh, you don't have stand? Oh, no, no. Like, oh, no, no. I no, no, saw no. that on your paper earlier, and I was like, I, that makes me so happy. I love it's that song. It's going to freak Scott out. <laughs> well, so I think Green was the maybe one of the – at that point, Green was the was when they started to become like a, a, a thing in the U.K. to the point where right. in the summer of – was it 89 or 88? 88, 89. 80, it came out at the end of 88, so yeah, yeah 89. So in 89, the two T-shirts I would wear most frequently would be the Batman T-shirt, obviously. Great. And also like a green REM T-shirt. Me too. I had a green, had, a black green the, REM T-shirt. Yes, a black t-shirt. T-shirt with the orange design. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't have the— particularly kind of like perverse to have— I also had the an hat. green with an orange logo. Yeah. I had a Batman thing, but it wasn't the T-shirt. It was like a kind of molded suit, almost. <laughs> well, I used with to nipples. wear. I found a photo of myself I'm wearing the green T-shirt the other day. But really, I, I wore that green T-shirt. Send it along with send it along with that uh, other track as well, oh. if we can. Okay, what's your next one? Um, well, just because it's in Baby Driver, New Orleans instrumental That's number one. Right, very they never good. did a two. <laughs> two was a B-side. They oh, did. Really? They did do yeah. a two. Oh, they yeah. did do a two. I've never heard two. Yeah. yeah. We played it on this. If you want to hear it, just listen to the show every episode. (laughs) We'll get to it. Don't go on Apple Music or Spotify. No, we'll we'll get around to it. Listen to the podcast. Okay, what's your last one? Night Swimming. Yeah, classic. I mean, a great song. If you had to, out of these ten, say like, you know what? This is my favorite. What what would you say? Um, It's very difficult to, I mean... Like anything, you could say anything and it would sound sort of really dramatic with Nightswing playing, I believe. That's true. I feel like I was going to say something really profound because Nightswing yeah, really. kicked in. <laughs> um, if I had to pick one, I mean, it would probably have to be It's the End of the World as We Know It. It's classic. Yeah. It yeah. makes you feel good. It's, it's subversive. It's a sing-along for a reason and it's it was popular for a reason. And it um, sounded like nothing else at the time when it came out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's, I, it's, I mean, I only have one, uh, well, I guess I have two from, I mean, also I think people great album. All the way through. easily, like, pick many more from those. Mm-hmm. Where would you place, would you place R.E.M. in the pantheon of great of great Like, bands? your, your, like, what, what would you say is your favorite record of all time? 
Oh my god, that's a really difficult question. Mm. I know. I actually did this for something. I I, I did for a, a, a website. I did my thirteen favorite albums of all time. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I were they? I can't remember. Oh, um, hang on a second. I can Adam's tell you. putting on his shirt to leave. <laughs> By the I'm way, so you're the sorry. one. You're the one that asked that last I question. I did, and that's a that's a question that can't be easily answered. Yeah, we're gonna have to wrap it up. And no, find, no, try you, to find that. If you, I can. If you guys want fi- to? No, like, we're but we're gonna end it. What, what do you have? Sitter is leaving, and I. Definitely. Did you get that text okay, alert can, of someone at the door? I can it real quick. Okay, what's your favorite, though? What's my favorite? Ah, oh, man. Did That's you do really... the chronological for that bullshit, too? I did. I couldn't, I couldn't pick really? it. Really? Chronological date by date? Uh, yeah, I couldn't pick it like a favorite album. Yeah. I'll give you something like, it's a Lalo Schifrin compilation that I love, Mission Impossible and more. The oh, kin- yeah. The Kinks are the Village Green Preservation yeah. Society, Abbey Road by the Beatles, Hunky mm-hmm. Dory by David Bowie, mm. Kimono My Those are House. my, by the way, those are, that's my favorite Beatles record and my favorite Bowie record. I knew we'd get it. That is definitely my Beatles record. Wow. Kimono My House by Sparks. By Sparks, yeah. Sheer Heart Attack by Queen. Squeeze. Uh, this is a singles. Sheet. Singles. Forty five. Yeah. I, I was that. just listening to that One the other day. Album. Oh my god, that's the first Squeeze record I ever heard. So that I consider the that singles to be an, record. Yeah. It's I so consider good. that to be an album. Parade by Prince. Mm. Trump Lamont by Pixies. That's a, okay. that's a, a not my one. favorite Prince record. I have to say. Oh, I love Parade. Hmm. Um, Orange by John Spencer Blues Explosion. Mm-hmm. I should uh, the only Britpop album on the list. I should Coco by Supergrass. I love, but we both love that record. That I record would, is fantastic. Yeah, um, that's a classic. Midnight uh, Vultures by Beck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. then a recent one. Nonagon Infinity by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh. Which I highly, highly recommend. What but if I had to put... If it you're asking another under, question? Like, I, Life's Rich Pageant would be my REM choice. Yeah. yeah. I, that Supergrass record, remember they had just like a self-titled record kind of later Yeah, Supergrass, yeah. I love that record, too. That's though. good, yeah. too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Edgar, I got to thank you so much for coming by and talking about music. I could talk about music with you forever. Um, Adam, eh. Uh, but it's fine. Uh, any last thoughts about REM before? Uh, do you want them to get back together and play at a backyard barbecue? Uh, I've never for us? seen them live, so I absolutely okay. So, was, so your green T-shirt was not from a concert. No, I just had it. I just no. bought it like from like a. So we're trying to get them to reunite and play at a backyard barbecue. Yes, and we've talked about it on this show, like. <laughs> Here's what we need from them. We need them to do two sets of entirely different songs, two sets of 90 minutes apiece. Um, and 90 minutes of brand new songs that they wrote for the barbecue. <laughs> All barbecue themed. Can yes. I add an extra request to this? Mm-hmm. Sure, listen? yeah. Oh, yeah. Could they also sing We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel? Yes. Yeah, that's a good Finally. idea. Finally. And <laughs> Edgar, you're going to be the first person we invite to that. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. We are going to do be talking about Reveal on the next episode, oh, yeah. so that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. So uh, until then... We, uh, I have to say, we certainly hope that you have found (laughs) what you're looking for. Bye.
Hey, Queeros, it's me, Cami Esposito, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, Query. You can sit in on hour-long conversations between me, Cameron Esposito, and some of the brightest luminaries in the LGBTQ family. Query explores individual stories of identity, personality, and the shifting cultural matrix around gender, sexuality, and civil rights. Plus, it is fun. We have had some incredible guests. Uh, Emmy winner Lena Waithe? Yes, definitely. Congressman Mark Takano? You bet. L Word creator Eileen Shaken? Yes. President and CEO of Glad Sarah Kate Ellis? We definitely have. We've got celebs. People like Trixie Mattel, Evan Rachel Wood, Tegan and Sarah, the band and the people separately on two different episodes. We also have activists and change makers in our community. I think it's a one of a kind show full of chats you have never heard before. It's identity, it's community, it's query. You can find query every Monday on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.